Welcome to the Four Corners Podcast with Lenny Marcus. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Neil Potter. Hi, Four topics, 15 minutes each. We're just killing time. Kill it. With us, our Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is the number 4C Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen to us on the Riotcast Network, Riotcast.com. No guests for today. Today is a special show. It's a tribute to Vic Henley. Uh, Neil and I, I mean, I know Vic for pff, over 20 years and Neil knows Vic for how long, Neil? Uh, it feels like about the same, but I mean, I've known him for forever. I mean, but hey. probably not as long as you. I mean, when we were up and coming, he would host up and coming shows. That's, you know, you know what I mean? And he's been around forever since like the mid to late 80s. And, yeah. uh, and he passed away last week at like 57. Man, the New York comedy community and a, and the comedy community around the world is going to miss this guy. I mean, he was big in England. He was uh, open for Ron White, Kathleen Madigan, Lewis Black. Those were his buddies um, on tour with Ron, working every big venue, Radio City Music Hall, Beacon, Madison Square. You know, wherever he had to work, he worked. Always great to us. Call on any show. Be very funny. Had a story for everything. Just incredible guy. Um I've got a few. You got any great memories of Vic? What was your favorites? Well, I always think of Vic, and I mean, I've always know that I'm gonna. Every time we're with him, whether it's a Yankees game, podcast, hanging out, I just know I'm gonna have a great time. Oh yeah. Because we're both, and because we're both from the South, you know, I just had so much in common with them. So I guess that's what I liked about him the most, and that's my biggest memory. Is every time I'm with him, I'm, I'm always, I'm always laughing. Yeah, and that's really hard to come by to laugh like in regular. It's just really hard to come by. But he always makes me laugh, and he's always really funny. And he's just like, yeah. So it's really fun. I mean, he's a really like hold court. You know, if there's anyone I knew in the world that holds court, so to speak, it's always him. And and like you said, he's like the perfect comic. He's done everything. He has the greatest stories, and I don't know. So I always looked up to him and kind of just always loved all that. Oh, yeah, I've been reading some stories online. They're great. And, uh, like, I, I was telling, who was I telling? Andy Pitts. We'll call him in a minute. Um, I was telling Andy Pitts, like, oh, man, he would have been, if I told him he died, like, if he was here and you could tell him he died, he'd been like, fuck, I died. Fuck, motherfucker. He's like, oh, fuck, if I would have known that, you know, like, he would have been he would have been hilarious about that. He would have been like, I No, I'm sure he's already, I'm sure wherever he is, I'm sure he's already hosting and cranking it out, and he's, like, already in the scene. Yeah, we had him on the show, and he said, like, you know, one time we had him, who would he like to work with or whatever, and he's like, George Carlin. So he's probably up there working with George Carlin, listening to jazz music at night, and some of these bands that died along the way, and... Oh, yeah. man. If there is a heaven, he's probably living it up there too. Like drinks on Vic, you know. Um, my my favorite story. You want to know my favorite story? Is that what you were asking? Yeah, go ahead. My favorite story that he always tells. I literally I can never get tired of hearing the story, and I always every time I'm with him, he has to tell it. 
And I don't know if he knows that he keeps telling it to me, but I'm pretty sure he does. So it's it's when he opened for the uh, the Ali G or the Bruno movie. He goes in that movie. He he was part of that movie set, and he was part of that. Uh, you know, that goes down to Arkansas or Texas. Yeah, Canada. he and, was working with Sasha Baron Cohen, and he told it on our podcast. And Neil, I'm going to play it for you right now. You worked with him on Bruno. Yes. And he after that, he wanted to be, the, the point of Bruno was, uh, Bruno wanted to be the most famous person ever. Not just the most famous gay person. Oh. Whole, he just wanted to be famous was okay. the whole point of that movie. And he was just trying to go around and do everything he could to be famous. But they would know ahead of time. You know, like we had to have meetings with chief of police in these uh, towns. We were Fort Smith, Arkansas, and uh, and Texarkana, Arkansas, and they know that they're going to create a riot at this cage fighting event that they've promoted, and they've tricked the local promoter into believing. So there's real amateur cage fights. So there's ten bouts, uh, a real cage <laughs> fighting saw, going on before he comes out and lures his former lover in the ring, and then they start making out, and 1,100 <laughs> people start throwing chairs, <laughs> and a full-on riot, like some, like really a full-on riot breaks out. And but they had, they they so good. They're, they research everything so well. So like uh, I told you, the the what do you call it? The not the disclaimer, but yeah, the, the disclaimer. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's like welcome to the whatever arena. Don't use any flash photography. Yeah. but in very small print. Yes. You said right, like Willy Wonka. Yeah, you know, like they, they, they've got they've started with big giant letters at the top, and by the time you get to the bottom of reading all this, yeah. the release form is what yeah. it is to use your image, and you're going to be in this. These at re, these rednecks in the middle of nowhere going, I'm not reading all that. So they, yeah, yeah. they just grab the thing and sign it. So he yeah. knew to do that. He. Had had a, he had a former security director with him because when he knew these riots, this guy used to work for Karzai over in Afghanistan. Oh, my God. And so they knew these riots were going to happen, and they brought him in to look at this. One of them was a rodeo arena, and then the other one was actually like a little where they would have basketball tournaments and stuff like that, more of your standard, just a little circular arena thing. And the guy brought – he went to Home Depot, and he brought plywood, and they, they built a tunnel for him out of the octagon. They put black tarp all over it so the crowd couldn't see that it was a tunnel. It looked like there was only one way in, in and out of the octagon, but really there were two doors. And so they, they had it all choreographed, and they knew when, when the hell hell broke loose that he was just going to slide over to the back and open up the door, just like in a, you know, just like in a movie. He's yeah. just going to open up the door and fall through and disappear completely. And the security guy was there, and they had an SUV at the bottom of it, and they run him down the tunnel. And he's 15 minutes out of town while all hell is still breaking <laughs> loose. He's nowhere near it. Does he, before, when he, well, you guys are planning this, does, or is he calm as... Oh, yeah. He, he just knows we're well, going to make this Well, the, the one arena, we go in there to look at everything as we're laying it out, and I'm in there with him, and he keeps looking around. He goes, and he, he has a flashback to when he was doing the Ali G show, and he's like, I've been in here. I've been in here. And one of his friends goes, yeah, we came here for the Ali G show, and a gun nut almost shot you right over there oh, because he was doing an Ali G with the guy, and the guy didn't enjoy his gun questions. And, oh, and wow. he, and it, but he's been, oh, yeah, you have been here. You almost got shot right over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah. But he's just as calm and cool. Wow. He doesn't, yeah. That's got balls you you hope. So how long does whole thing take? It took like about a week. Down it there? took a. We were there for eight days. And you're doing what down there? You're just helping him. I'm working. I'm, I'm helping. Well, he wanted writing. the. Yeah, yeah. He wanted the. Uh, he was beat by the time this part of the movie. He's no longer Bruno. He wants to be straight day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He realizes that you can't be gay and be that famous because Tom Cruise and John Travolta have already locked that up. <laughs> 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 that was his whole. That's the mindset. So then he wanted to be really, really straight, and he he wanted straight Dave to be a comedian, and he wanted to be like a. You might be a redneck guy, but but you might be gay guy, and so he, he was again. So I don't, 
They called me because he remembered me from the 11 o'clock show. And he used to know that I used to work with Fox Radio on the Redneck stuff. So when they wanted this character to be a comedian, then he's like, well, who's got BBC and you might be a redneck on their resume? Me. Short list. So you go down there. He says, go find Henley. And so we're down there and he lays it all out. He, he will only let you know about what's going on in that part of the script. So I don't know what's happened in the movie before. I don't know what's going to happen next. I just know for this part, I'm supposed to help him write jokes and help plan this whole part from how straight Man. Dave looks to the music he comes out with and then he's telling me what we're going to do we're going to have cage fighting and we're going to meet with the and mayor it, and the chief of police and we're going to start a ride in both these towns with these people's permission <laughs> but when it's over they're out of town they're yeah they're back, gone they're not back to the hotel they're just no yeah yeah they're gone I was there I, I walked to me the Larry Charles was directing this and uh and Jay Roach produced it and he's a great director yeah. himself he's won Emmys yeah and uh they're in the back, which is all curtained off, where it's called Video Village, and they got all the equipment back there. And so they didn't think it was going to blow up and be as ugly as it was. And so the little bit of security they had was not enough. So yeah. they got four <laughs> cops standing there, and they need about 40. Yeah, yeah that was. And 1,100 people are losing their minds. And I'm like, well, turn my mic back on, and I'll go out here and calm them down. They don't know I'm in on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, and they turn my mic back on, and I walk right back into the middle of the octagon and just did a whole, I've got a suit on. And you calm them down. And I'm like, people, people, let's go. Hey, but we're going to have to call the SWAT team in there. You your wives and girlfriends are here for God's <laughs> sakes. Let's quit. Put the chair down, sir, and please exit in an orderly fashion. And they laid down everything. It was, really? like, it was like a, a hypnosis. <laughs> it was like, when I walked back to the back of Video Village, they were all back there doing the Wayne's World bowing. Thing. <laughs> they were like, I go, they did not know. Well, I got the whole PA work, and I go, I'm a comic. Turn the microphone on. I'll walk into a fire. Yeah, I don't care. Amazing. It's what we do. But these audience members were scarred from that experience. Oh, they're crying. They they, 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 you <laughs> can see some scarred. of them crying in the film. And my favorite part is the, we. <laughs> yeah. Gave yeah. some of them T-shirts yeah. because they, he's so homophobic. So these T-shirts say uh, it's got a, it's got like a dude uh, having sex with another dude from behind, and it's got the circle with a line drawn through it, like no, yeah. and then it says my asshole is just for shitting. That's <laughs> 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 what it says across the top. Oh my and, god! And we knew we only gave these these to the first three or four rows, and those first three or four rows were prison guards. Oh my! And Lord. so we made prison guards cry. <laughs> That's how shocked they were. Oh. And and he couldn't have been happier with everything when he yeah. when he when he went to the, see the dailies over the next. Uh, that's the scene from the movie where I'm like, oh my god, like, yeah. How do they one? How do they pull this off? But two, like, how does this not turn into real? And then we got away it with can't it. Can't be stayed. We did it. We did it. And then we drove four and, and a half to again. five hours north in Fort Smith. You know, two days later, knowing that that would be just far enough away that they wouldn't catch wind of it. And those small towns want their money. So the big movie production rolls in. So you meet with the mayor, and the mayor's like, no, ain't going to be no ball licking or anything like that. <laughs> that, that is, like, hilarious how he that, how they pull that whole thing off. It's in, it's just incredible. It's incredible. His incredible stories. My, my three favorite Vic stories for us is um, that you've been a part of. Um, one was from my wedding. You know, he and uh, we'll, he'll, we'll play a little of that later in one of the corners. I think it comes up. Um, but we had little, we had the best food at my wedding. I, I know this sounds cocky, but everybody came back and says it's the best food. And even at the tasting, I was like, who, and I, who's not a great food connoisseur was like, um, this is going to be great. Robert, I took Robert Kelly with me. So you knew when he said it was going to be great, it's going to be great. And Vic, apparently there was a porterhouse steak carving station at, <laughs> in one of the corners of the the room so you could go get steak porter really good porterhouse steak and like you know steakhouse kind of steak and i don't i don't remember that at all right because it's your wedding you don't remember anything and um 
I walked into the strip after we got back from our honeymoon, and he's standing there. And for like 10 days in a row, every time I walked in the strip, he would go, motherfucker, that was the best wedding I've ever been to. Amazing <laughs> wedding. He goes, Porterhouse Carving Station. Porterhouse Carving Station. Are you fucking kidding me? Porterhouse Carving Station. That's all he kept yelling. And then when I would perform, I would get off and you'd hear him for months after that. Lenny had the best wedding ever. He had a Porterhouse Carving Station. Like, to the audience, they don't know what he's talking about. Oh, it, was, it was amazing. No, well, I mean, that's just exactly, yeah, that sounds like, yeah, it's so great. I mean, that's just what he did. He just, he loved, like, life. Like, that's what I loved about him. He just loves shit. And I wish I could be like that, where I just take in and just laugh and love shit. Yeah. But it's hard to do. Give credit where credit is due or tell people of the great times he had. It was amazing. He did that one. And then we had one, one of my favorite stories is, um... <laughs> how about the glory hole and so this is how that happened and i'll end up telling this probably somewhere else as well we at one time we were walking the strip and richie tingan who owns the strip decided he was gonna um he got some inkling through the business of a sketch show that he wanted to he was going to produce a sketch show using some of the comics that he was going to cast and he wanted to know if if I would submit some sketches to the show. And I was like, sure, what does that pay? And he's like, pay? Like I was from another planet. Like why would I want to get paid for that, right? So I was like, okay, this is, you want me to submit for a show. You're not asking me to be on the show. You're not even asking me to be on the writing staff. You just want me to submit content for the show. And so I'm like, you got to be freaking kidding me. So I think to, I, I, it's bugging me for weeks, right? And then he keeps asking me, when are you going to submit for the show? So, okay, I remember that you have a sketch that you wrote that I thought was ridiculous about a glory hole salesman. You want to, <laughs> you want to tell about what the sketch is about? Yeah, no, the sketch, <laughs> Mick loves the sketch. I know, go No, I, I don't even know why it happened. I just think it's so ridiculous. Yeah, it was just like, uh, you know, I always, the whole thought was like, you know, all those, hot bars in the 70s and 80s always had these glory holes so I was like oh my god so anyways the guy I was like someone had to go in and sell those and so that was kind of the start of the premise right that, so it was a glory you know, hole salesman it was a guy that would sell like he goes into restaurants and places and sells a glory hole right and he's got to go up to the manager and he's got samples in his yeah. bag like yeah. any other traveling salesman would have samples in the bag and go yes would you like to buy our glory hole and like nah, I don't know we don't do that anymore oh these are classic you know the wood is great and you're selling it to him like it's a great product and it's big yeah, different sizes, right. and all that stuff. The big giant hole is the black guy, right? And then there's a little, <laughs> yeah, how about this one? It's like, you mean, that's just the board. Where's the hole? He's like, no, no, look close. And you look really close like that's the Asian one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like it's like a pinhole. Like it's just most ridiculous, horrible, politically not correct, politically incorrect sketch of all <laughs> time, right? And Richie, who fan, uh, who owns the strip, fancies himself as a Jesus guy. Like he's yelled at people like he, that guy says uh, Jesus on stage too much. They, he's making fun of Jesus on stage. Like, he's had discussions with people. Could you not make fun of Jesus or curse that much on stage? And like, you could talk about anal all day. Patrice O'Neill was filthy up there. There would be filthy acts. But 
whatever. So that's in the back of my head too. So I'm like, Neil, can we polish that sketch? You're like, what are you going to do with that after I made fun of it forever? You and I fix the sketch. I put it in an envelope and I write, okay, this is my submission for the Richie Tinkin. <laughs> for, that, for that sketch show, knowing full well that he's going to read it, be like, I'm not putting this on the show, nor am I asking Lenny to ever do anything again. And that would have been the end. So I walk in one day and I have the sketch in the manila envelope. And I'm like, I'm going to put it on Richie's desk. And Vic is there. And he's like, what do you, what's with the envelope? I'm like, I tell him the whole story, right? And he loses his shit he's like that's the funniest fucking thing i've ever heard a glory hole salesman i'm like yeah it's all neil he came up with that he's like fucking neil potter that is the funniest shit i've ever laughing like no business and he i think he called me glory hole for like the next five years (laughs) yeah he keep calling glory he would call me on the phone he's like let's go to a yankee game next week get glory hole We'll go down and sit and sit. Like, oh my God. He loved that whole thing. And um, it's just so ridiculous that, that these things even exist. I just can't believe it. And he, whatever. And he's, he just, that was Vic. He just loved it. It would stick with him. And he just loved the craziness of it and the subversiveness of me just sticking it to the man. You know, it's all wrapped up in great Vic. And yeah, like, he, he loved sticking it to the man. He did not like. I mean, he's a pure comic. He's there to do what he wanted when he liked, you know, and yeah. not put he, up with any shit like that. He's a that. professional. It's stand-up comedy in a stand-up comedy room. You know, it's like, come on, man. You're in a comedy club. The people are coming here to hear whatever. Like, don't tell me how to do yeah. stand-up. And the last well, one... Well, leads, that leads right into the uh, Put Some Gravy on it, right? Yeah, Put Some Gravy on that was us. It's um, We have a web series oh, we did in 2006 called Superstar Talent. You can go to Superstar Talent Agency and see like the 30 episodes we did. This is before anybody shot a web series. This is before the internet web YouTube stuff took off. This and is, we actually we actually got paid. We actually did get paid. Like it was for the uh, a website called Daily Comedy and eventually they folded and we just kept doing it. So we have 30 episodes of this and you and I have taken well, it's about to, I think it's about to be on Quibi, I think, right? <laughs> well, we're trying. We'll see what's left of the world when we go back to it. Uh, we were in meetings to actually sell this 14 years later, which is unbelievable. Will we do it again from the top? But it's it's a web series about uh, a comic who was starting up at the time, which was me, and my fictional manager, which was a guy that worked ran around the city. And Neil plays my manager, and he's got crazy ideas of how things are supposed to go in the business. And I'm so new, I don't really know better. And then I realized very quickly that he's insane. And that was a lot of the managers that we had to deal with. So Neil and I had a lot to draw on with this. But we ended up saying a lot of stuff about the business, like about headshots and like acting teachers. And, you know, we could we could we could take a nice shot at the business if we wanted to. And one of the episodes we did in like our final season was called Gravy. And it was all based on the blue collar comedy tour, which ironically Vic had something to do with. He knew all those guys. He was friends with Larry the Cable Guy. He was friends with Jeff Foxworthy. He was friends, obviously, he opened for Ron White So and Big Bill Engvold back in the day. So he knew the whole blue-collar scene well, and I told him, we want to make fun of blue-collar. He's like, I fucking love it. So we wrote an episode called Gravy, and you can go see that, where Vic wants to restart his career, and he goes to see this manager, and you guys hatch a plan to (laughs) 
to uh, to be like, I don't want blue collar. I want like a mix. And you're like, what about if we mix you up? We fixed you and a Jewish guy on tour, which would have been me. And uh, it was going to be a blue collar, Jew collar comedy tour. And he loved it. Bag- and, and the catch- Bagels and biscuits. Biscuits and bagels. And the catchphrase was... Put some gravy on that instead of get her yeah. done, which was Larry the Cable Guy. Uh, he used to say it so good, too. He did. He, he said it so good. So we're going to play. You know what? I'm going to play a little of that now, and we'll come right back. It's a superstar talent agency. Superstar. All right, look. I got money. I got money. Kill it and mount it. The road tour has been bigger than I ever dreamed it would be. I've got a plane, for God's sakes, all right? But I need big. I need bigger than that. I need everybody. I want Foxworthy opening for me. I need Hollywood. I got you. Right? I know I hear you. I got to get Hollywood. <laughs> I got it. I have I, to get Hollywood. I got it. I got it. I got it. This is, I've been thinking about this. Center square on the new Hollywood squares. You're right there in the center in the square. No, no, dude. No, not no. By Hollywood, I mean the Jews. I need the Jews to love me. I get the Jews on board. I got everybody. Got it. Got it. I bam. It's right into my head. That's how it works. That's because that's a comedy duo. You and someone of like the Semitic persuasion, like right in there, like together, like that. You mean like a Jew? A Jew. You and a Jew together. It's like bagels and biscuits! Bagels and biscuits! Biscuits and bagels! Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Touchdown, daddy! Six points! Daddy's coming home, baby! All right! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly! All right. Yeah. But look, look, no, not some little meek, we mealy, Woody Allen, not some little curly cute Jew, can't work on Friday. I need hardcore, baby. I need a Jew that can ride the bull and work the road. You want to t- I got the perfect guy. I got the perfect guy. Fuck you, Avi. You're fired. Do I make things happen or what? That is karmatic that you just... Karmatic. Man, to quote Emerald, BAM! <laughs> I am for Angry Jew. You gave me Angry Jew. I can't believe it. I'm good, right? I, oh, God, to quote the great Dan Whitney, I made a request and you get her done. Oh, We're God. done, Avi. Listen, I spoke to the life coach. You're an idiot, all right? I want all my shit back. Why would this is the next step? This is the next level. You're gonna partner up with Vic, is what I'm talking about. You and Vic. It's the blue collar, Jew collar <laughs> yeah. comedy tour. What? I'm not doing that. Uh, oh yeah, you're not doing that. You're missing out on a gold mine. Lentil, lentil, yentil. Oh baby, I'm putting that right in the show. You are so good. Right so, in. Oh wait, 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 wait. You got to hear the new catchphrase he's come up with. Here, I got. There's the shirt. There's the shirt right there. Go ahead and tell him. Put some gravy on that. It works on everything. Listen, listen. We see a hot girl. Hot girl right there. Put some gravy on that. That's a touchdown! Put some gravy on that! (laughs) Seriously, one of my favorite episodes. And he was so scared, Vic, about acting in it. He's like, I'm not an actor. I'm like, I will take great care of you. Just do it. And you guys were hilarious together. And it... one of my favorites, maybe top one of my top three, five favorite episodes of all time of the show. We made T-shirts. In fact, and you can do, still get the T-shirts. Put some gravy on that. You can. I think we still have put some gravy on that. dot com. So wait. Now, me, but you did. You didn't tell the the best part that he actually goes on tour with these shirts. Yeah, he went on tour. He took the T-shirts, put some gravy on that. Went on stage, explained the whole story about me and you doing that stuff. And how we gave him the T-shirts, and he would tell him this a Jewish guy in New York City in front of huge audiences, and how he came up with it, and he would sell the T-shirts. 
He would sell the yeah, t-shirts at the shop. Yeah, doing really well. Put some gravy on that. Someone just asked for those shirts the other day. I should, I should make. We should get them back up just for him, just to honor him. We should. We should get them back out there, and we we have it trademarked and everything. So it's so. You got to put some gravy on that. He used to say it so good too. So that's the that's our memories of Vic, and now I want to play two corners from. We had him on twice. We had him on. We had him on our show twice. And uh, once in 2017, and we had him once on uh, about three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, right before the pandemic locked us down. And I want to play, they encompass everything. The first one is just basically a, a rundown of the Vic's history in the business. And, you know, he's from Alabama, so we want to talk about that. And then the second corner, we talk about uh college football which he loved more than anything and he um our guest today is a 30 plus year stand-up comedian veteran by way of alabama now residing in new york city hbo cbs nbc fox bravo cmt mtv the history channel just about every stand-up <laughs> show on tv he was a vh1 dj and has his own comedy central half hour special as well as performances on the late show and the tonight show Vic has been featured on nationally syndicated radio shows as well as several channels on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. And he gave me several amazing fluffy bath towels for a wedding gift, <laughs> which we love. And I thank Vic every day as I dry off my junk. Please welcome Vic Henley. Yes. Most, most importantly, we're the towel. <laughs> you can't go far enough in the goodwill it's, portion of someone's life. It's VicHenley.com. Are the towels uh, soft? Vic Henley. Oh, my God. They're amazing. They're so oh, good. Really? Yeah, they're crazy no, good. They're very expensive. He'll let you touch one. What, it's like crazy. hotel quality? They're very expensive. Yes, it's absolutely. It's total over-the-top plush fabulous you oh, know shit. everybody should have one of it's these so towels. weird because when uh when i get a towel they all are good like the first and then this after you wash them oh it's no just these have been a year already yeah, and these oh, get these even years? better as what, you what, it, what is it you know you, it's just a real fancy real... brand that no one would buy for themselves because they're too damn expensive yeah yeah but when you see them on the wedding list then you're like oh this is a perfect gift because no one would really do this it's nice. you think it's too much it makes me want to get married it's you know? literally the only thing i we really i really really want <laughs> makes me want to get married i'll get you a towel neil don't worry let's let's do Henley. <laughs> all right. Big Henley, the smartest guy. I say this all the time. No. I've, first of all, not too many people you meet in New York from Alabama, but the smartest guy ever from Alabama, known as Wikipedia to a lot of people. <laughs> Is this a fluke? Are what you, you a fluke? Are you, you a mean? unicorn like the Christab Porzingis of Humanity. It's something weird. It's just you know, I don't know. Or is there hope for humanity? There's yet? hope for humanity. Oh, yes, okay, there good. is. You know, there's. I'm from a small place, and everybody is kind of limited, and so there has to be at least someone that can read. <laughs> well, it's so not that I'm that high. It's not that I'm that high up. It's just the bar was set so low in lovely Calhoun County, Alabama. It's funny you say that because Neil and his act used to do this joke with him and Bethel. It'd be like, uh, you know, it's like, what was it? What's the score? What's a good score in Texas? What was your your SAT? Oh yeah, like seven hundred. Seven hundred. She goes, I got. He goes, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Bethel. I got a seven hundred on my SAT. And she's like, that stinks. No, that's a good score in Texas. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. That is true. Well, that's good. So. So uh, tell me some, give me like, when we think of Alabama, right, Right. we think guns, racism, football, country music, sweet tea, low IQ, that's it. You're right. That's a good summation. Give me a better view. You were born and raised. uh, I can give you the, where I'm from, it's it's actually, I was telling people, I'm from the northern part of the state, so the Appalachian Mountains run out in about 15 minutes from my house. And the rest of the state, you go 
the next seven hours towards Florida, it's just flat, hot, pine trees, nothing going on, not a lot of good terrain. So where I'm from, there's actually mountains and rivers and lakes. Oh, cool. So it's, that's the part that I would tell everybody. It's really, I had shit to do. I could at least go running around outside and go water skiing or go swimming or camping and do stuff like that. And then our little town wasn't really rural. There was a mall there. There's a lot of car dealerships and things like that. There was one private school, <laughs> one private school. The rest of it was public school. And, uh, but our school, our city separated from everybody else in the county and did their own thing. And so it seems like I got, of where I'm from, it was the smarter area of the idiot area, which is not saying a lot. <laughs> it's saying far, that's a good score in Texas. Yeah. It's the same. How far are you a, from the biggest city? I'm Alabama. an hour away from Birmingham and an okay. hour and a half away from Atlanta, Georgia. So I'm right in the oh, middle on I-20. Okay. And so we had civilization. And the funny part now is we would always all want to go to Atlanta and that only, was a big deal. Well, it's two or three million people yeah. instead of 400,000 people. Yeah. And it's only 20 more minutes. But no one from where I'm from, me, five or six of my friends, the majority of people went to Birmingham because Atlanta scared them. And uh, <laughs> too many black people. <laughs> too many black people no. just scared them to death. Yeah. Couldn't deal with that. But not really oh. that wasn't their main scare. Their, their, their two scares were... You went from central time to eastern time, and they literally didn't enjoy doing the math. What? <laughs> that's, is that a bit? That's not a bit. That's that is so a, I've said this to people. It's completely true. <laughs> the two things that scared them the most were that and, you know, every city has a loop. You oh, know, like, right. so if, you're yeah, inter yeah. if your interstate is Interstate 10, then, yeah. like, around Texas at Houston, it's 6 Those are scary, though. The loops are so, scary. So that, it, was, it was the 70s and the 80s, and yeah. so the, they, those hillbillies where I'm from couldn't get their head around <laughs> the loop, the loop yeah, yeah. and the time. Time change. And they oh would say, they're like, I get over there on that loop and I'm going around and I don't know where my exit is and I don't know where to get off. And then I'm trying to figure out if I'm going home. Is it four o'clock or is it three o'clock? And I just, I just rather go to Birmingham. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 they just gave it up to go to another place. Yeah. Oh no, that God. totally makes sense to me because my, my dad's, my granddad was from in that Tennessee, Virginia area. Right. And by the end, he just, the life just became like, screw it all. It's just too hard. I'll just sit in my chair and watch the Redskins and whatever. You so know, it makes that was a sense. lot of that. Yeah, it makes complete sense to me. I guess we did. Well, we could but, do we could do the math, and we we enjoyed the loop. But and you so, were, wait, but we're you like, were, well, I would rather go see the Jacksons because they're not coming to Birmingham. <laughs> so I'm going to do the math and spend the extra twenty minutes and learn my exit off the loop and go see the Jacksons Victory Tour, <laughs> dumbass. <laughs> so, oh wait, so when you're fa you were born and raised there, yes. So when you guys go on a vacation, where was, was we it? would go to Florida? Oh, that's that right. was. The, that, that was, was it. it. That, that was, was it. Thing. Like Disneyland or just hunting? Just to the beach at the Gulf. Oh, just to okay. the Gulf yeah. of Mexico right there. Because oh, we, we couldn't afford it. We, we saved up for years to go to Disney World. I was right. probably... Uh, 13 or 14 before we ever got to go to Disney World. Oh, wow. Six Flags was in Atlanta, Georgia. So that's like any Six Flags in America. Right. So you would go over there for the day and ride the roller coasters and do all that if you that's were lucky. Fine. You know, if you were lucky, yeah. that was a big, big trip. But and did you have that mentality as a family, like growing up there, like, oh, shit, they're not going to let us in this place? Or like, you know what I mean? Like, we're from what? Alabama. We're no, like, no, no, because it's uh, all the same. Okay. It's, okay. All, it's, it's, the, it's the Redneck Riviera. When you, went to, <laughs> when you, when you go to Gulf Shores, Pensacola, yeah. Panama yeah. City Beach, Fort Walton, yeah. anywhere across there. It's just hillbillies on vacation. I said, there's nothing going on. So it's just, you know, fat people eating fried food with the wife beater on. Looking at the most beautiful blue water and white sand, yeah. it's absolutely good. If you take the people out of it, it's amazing. It's like the it's Caribbean. different than parts of Long Island. Just you know, different accent. Yeah, it is a different accent. Sure. Yeah. The Jersey Shore, very yeah. similar. Oh, forget about very it. Very similar, man. I used to go down there with my ex-wife, and we I would just ride around Belmar and those little neighborhoods yeah. to see seven gigantic... <laughs> 
Italian Guido <laughs> men sitting in an above ground pool, all, <laughs> taking up every square inch of the pool. It's like it's just like nine pieces of stromboli crammed in one sack. <laughs> you know, and it's the same. And I would just go up and down the street looking at because you don't even have room to turn around. Yeah, it's You're defeating the purpose after a certain. Well, that's point. why they show that show Jersey Shore. Yes. And people are like, yeah, that's us. I'm yeah. like, no, 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 they're making fun of you. Yes, they they don't get it. They don't care, but you you experienced the clan down there too. Well, we I saw the clan when I was a senior in high school. Now that is a bit in my Damn. show uh, where I we were going to see uh, Birmingham, Alabama. We were road tripping over to see Kiss, and we stopped to get some gas. And there were four old clan dudes having a uh, what we call it a, a a roadblock. They're standing out there. It's usually for the police department or the fire department right. or, or the Red Cross. Or wait, they got the fire. They, got, the they no no no. They they uh, they have their stuff on and they're standing in the <laughs> they're standing in a four way four way stop with a blinking light and they've got buckets and they're trying to get they're walking up to people to try to get oh, money to donate to, to donate to, to, the, to the clan. Yes, and nobody's giving them. Now the good part is as shocking as this was when we saw this. Yeah, yeah. The funny part is watching everyone. No one's no people are rolling down the windows and throwing stuff at them you know they're not being well received at all is it? Okay. people Thank are God. yes exactly yeah, people yeah. are lighting cigarettes on purpose just to flick them at them right. you know so their idea didn't work at all but they're standing there they're trying to oh, they're hoping yeah, yeah. you know they're hoping. pretty ambitious just right it's, on the street too well, that's well, it, yeah and a, well, a friend of mine that was with us on this trip was black and so yeah he looked over and said immediately <laughs> uh you know i've got to have one of those hats and so we no. snatched we my friend had a trans am and we had the T-tops off the Trans Am, so we rolled it really slow next oh, to him and, and acted like we were going to give him a dollar to get the guy to come <laughs> over to the car. And then my black friend jumped up out of the back and grabbed the hood, and my other friend hit the gas, and we snatched oh, it you off did his get head. Oh, you did get the hat. Yes, and my black friend took it to school. And has, he's in the high school yearbook holding it up and like oh, waving at the camera. Right. And so, it's yeah, great. you're still on their hit list. Then the KKK hit. Well, list as my like. as my buddy pointed out at the time, the youngest one was was 88. <laughs> oh, okay. so dead now. Yeah, he was yeah, yeah. he was the youngest one. And my one friend said, if we didn't have this concert to go to, I would whip all four of them's ass oh, just to yeah, make y'all good, laugh. I would. I, he's a little bitty guy, but he's like, I guarantee you I can beat the piss out of these four guys because they're combined 720. Now, years would old. you ever go back there and live again? Or no, no, never. No, I would die. <laughs> I would knew die. I had to leave. Yeah. Everyone, when we would sit at the lunch table growing up and they would go well neil you know you know you're a teenager just like any other teenager in america what do you think you get married and have kids one day well i don't know what kind of job do you think you have lenny you think you'd work in computers right. or, and everybody else go well, i don't know i probably wouldn't mind having a couple of kids maybe get a job go on vacation what about you Vic? And i'm like if i don't get out of here i'm dead <laughs> all i know is if i don't get out of here i'm a dead man y'all can fantasize and extrapolate and hypothesize and talk about all these wonderful things you're going to do kind of if funny. i'm not out of here i'm dead and if i'm not dead i'm killing all y'all <laughs> it's funny oh that you God. knew that and none of the other everybody else doesn't know that but well a lot of people yeah, yeah. don't like to leave their you know in their area they stay close gina's whole family is still in reading they're you know Pennsylvania. my entire group left yeah. i hung around with the five or six guys and to this day uh, the ones that are still alive <laughs> a yeah. couple of us didn't make it but uh, no one lives there anymore. No one's ever had a job where they had a boss. Everyone has their own business or works independently. Oh, wow. So me and my group that ran around together, we gravitated towards each other, and we're, we're the only ones. We all have that in common. We've yeah. never had a job where we've had a boss, and none of us live there anymore. Wow. And uh, That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I hung out. I found the right people. That is great. Yeah. Your family went back, right? Your mom basically went back to the same area. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, they're they're from Virginia, so they went back, back to, to Virginia, Virginia, but not to the back to the small town, Big Stone Gap, no, Virginia. No, no, no. That's but a different close, thing. But close, but close. Yeah, they just, I mean, they couldn't go back there. It was a coal mining town. I mean, some of these 
you know, going back to those kind of places once you've lived in other, you know, well, my, in big cities and stuff is, is a tough, it's a tough thing. Yeah. Well, my sister, you know, Long Island. Yeah, but Long there. Island doesn't count. You're always what? next to New York City. It's oh, like a okay. mass. Long Island is as small town as it feels maybe out there. It's you're you're so connected to New York City. When you live in Alabama or Big Stone Gap, Virginia, you're you're two hours from a, an airport. Like yeah, that's true. Big no, still got Virginia. You you can't get there. I mean, you're really stuck in that. That is true. We were. My mom's still in the town I grew up. My brothers moved an hour away. They made the big jump to Birmingham, <laughs> right? And uh, and so they're still there. But she's still in Oxford, Alabama. That's where I grew up. She was in the house I grew up in until about ten years ago, and then the neighborhood started getting shady, and we uh, we sold it and built her a new house. You just posted a picture of your brother, by the way. While I'm on this, he's a Halloween. Oh, that was his Halloween costume, <laughs> yes. or because you're. He, he dressed himself up like he got one of the orange jumpsuits, like he was picking up trash for community service. And he bought him some Billy Bob teeth. And oh, but it looked real. And yeah, it, it looked, looked real. It looked, yeah, yeah, it looked really real. Completely yeah. real. And, they have Vicks and you're, what'd you write under there? I wrote, uh, I go, my brother's had a couple of setbacks. At yeah. least that's what, that's and what, I believed it. Oh, that's what we're calling it. Yeah, and nobody even commented. They're like, I think Vic's not fooling around. Well, Never people, know. the things you put up, you, you know, right. I was somewhere with Ron White and them, and they golf at these very fancy country clubs. Mm -hmm. And it literally is a massive, it's like a door that would go in a castle and it has this this crazy big massive wood carving of deer and everything so i took a picture of it with my phone and put it on instagram and twitter and i'm like i've been working i started with a two carving knives and, you know and, and everyone thought they're like good job Vic. wow we can't believe you took up woodworking that's amazing there's no way in hell if you look at this dude, yeah but, i did this but that's how facebook works you probably put it up and about 20 people are like i'm gonna go out and get do what i want to do finally Vic's inspired me they're like that's it like yeah you probably lie woodworking all right we got two minutes left in this segment so let me ask you this you've worked with everyone now Vic yeah, knows yeah. everyone everybody you know everybody no you have the best stories of anybody that's what Foxworthy Ron White Madigan Lewis Black you know you worked on OP Radio you were you've you've met everybody Ro Rosie O'Donnell got me my job as the VH1 VJ now, I wasn't even that good friends with her but that's how I got that yeah. gig I ran into her at one of the clubs one night she goes oh I just recommended you for something do you yeah. believe in that who it's who you know in this world I mean you gotta work hard and everything but you get a little lucky but who you know has helped me more sure than and if you're easy to deal with, it's not That's only true. who you know, but who do you know, and are you easy to, to deal, deal with, with yeah. and do they perceive you as to be easy to That's deal true. with? That's true. That's true. You can, you can know a lot of people, but if you're still an asshole, nobody's going to ask you to do anything. Quickly, is there anyone that you haven't worked with that you want to work with? Oh, God. You know, when George when George Carlin was alive, yeah. I would have loved I ran into him in an airport, and I got to go up to him, and I met his daughter years later. And so it would be probably somebody like that. You, you, you know, yeah. All right, anybody alive? Alive, <laughs> alive. You know, I think it would be cool. I heard a couple of years ago, Mario Joyner's usually opening for Chris Rock, yeah. and I know Chris. And uh, and he was Joyner was not going to be able to do a couple of dates, and and I saw Rock at the cellar. He he was considering letting me do some of those shows with him. And yeah, I, that, at the Beacon, I just that would have been. That. I'm at the Beacon tomorrow night, with, uh, Friday night with Ron. Right, but yeah. uh, but I I was really flattered and happy. And I later that night, I'm like, I don't even care if I ever get this or not now. But it at least let me it let me know that I, that I still like things. That things are still enticing to me. Something like that to go on tour where nobody would expect me to be there. If I walked out there in front of Chappelle or Rock right. or <laughs> yeah, somebody, like, wow. you know. I'd, I'd, I would love it if, you know, if Sandler, I would do something in one of the stupid Sandler movies. I think that would be cool, too, because go. I know him. So that would be 
fun to to, to work, work with a friend that. and do something silly like that. And then he gives everybody like a Maserati. I didn't something. know that. No, no, he <laughs> gave, on one of those uh, movies, he gave everybody like a convertible. See, or something. like there oh, you go. Man. I didn't say. What do you mean, like everybody that like works everybody in the film? Got, yeah, like well, like the Oprah, big, the big ones, the, like the big, even the background extra guys. No, no, you don't. <laughs> sorry, no, just all right, we're done. Good try, Neil. College football. We'll take a hard turn here. Okay. Now, and nobody, if you're from the South, that's the one thing about the South. We don't have the college football, but we've talked about this on other podcasts, about the Friday Night Lights aspect of sure. co- and then, then of high school football and then the amazing bouts of the college football, what it means to that state. And you're from Alabama. If there's one thing about Alabama that – if Alabama didn't have college football, I wouldn't know anything about Alabama. There we 10,000 people in my little town, right? Only 10,000. And uh, and they would put 10,000 in the stadium on a Friday night football game. <laughs> like, literally everybody Alabama came. and Mississippi, no pro teams. You know, yeah, no pro teams. And the Falcons. Weird. And growing up, uh, the Falcons and the Saints were horrible for 30 years yeah, each. Yeah, yeah. They both came in in the 60s and didn't get good. The Atlanta Falcons didn't have back-to-back winning seasons until about 2011. Did you root for the Atlanta Falcons? <laughs> so, no, they were so hard. I pulled for the Dolphins. They were the only oh. winner in the region. Yeah, but yeah. Sort of as your pro team. And then I like the Steelers. Steelers too, just because of Bradshaw. But no, that's but, what that's what. Sorry, Neil. What, that's who people rooted for. The either the Falcons or the uh, Dolphins. There was a lot of Cowboy fans, but okay. the, but you would pick. Uh, they would pick. The, it would be nope. The Falcons and the Saints had their fans, just still filled with hope. Right. But then you know, a lot of people like the Dolphins because you actually got a winner. Oh, those but, Alabama fans who waited all that time you know, for Atlanta Falcons to be yeah. good and then choked in the yeah Super Bowl. last year. I'm oh sure they're yeah. I'm sure God. they were jumping off you know double wide. <laughs> oh <my. laughs> but, but but we grew up in that area where there were no. We love the Atlanta Braves. That's why I grew up like in the Yeah, Atlanta I was a Braves fan, too. Yeah. They were horrible forever. Well, they, they showed them here. Like, you, know. you got finally got another taste of another team here in New York. It was either Chicago. We used to have WGN when, I was a kid, yep. when cable first came right. out here. And then Atlanta, Turner Network. And so you could watch a little bit of... You know Dale Murphy and people know. like that, and they were. Yeah. But that's why college is so deeply in in Virginia, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia. No pro team, and it's if you did, all it, about college, or if it's you're in Georgia, college. your pro team sucks. So yeah, you're yeah, gonna yeah. Put, you're gonna say go dogs for you're ever gonna think fly Falcons fly or whatever. And the, the Braves were horrible too. Forever. Horrible too. The Hawks were the only winning team, and they were they were the only the ones that couldn't draw, which was odd. Yeah. And it just so happens, and I'm sure everybody knows by now, but for our new listeners, hopefully around the world, your brother was one of the biggest football stars ever at but Auburn. Both University. my brothers played football at Auburn on scholarship so the oldest one was an All-American and led the SEC in rushing and touchdowns in 1972 he was the last white man to lead the SEC in rushing <laughs> he was a big to do <laughs> totally true and <laughs> number, the, number and 23 in your program number one in your heart Terry Henley <laughs> and he's still a legend there <laughs> he's, people still recognize him he was in a junk store two months ago in the middle of nowhere at a, at a wedding with a group of friends and he's there in street clothes he's 67 years old and the owner of the little junk store flea market in Fort Payne Alabama walked over to him and went you're Terry Henley aren't you and Terry went, yeah. And he goes, come here. And he takes him in the back of the junk store and moves a bunch of old record albums and digs down in the thing, pulls out an autographed picture of Terry ah, <laughs> from like the 70s. He's like, Terry's like, where'd you get that? He's like, I don't know. I got so much stuff in here. But he goes, that's wow. you, isn't it? And he had this old, he's putting on his helmet and doing his chin strap and this t- random stranger. They had Terry Henley Day in our town. They gave him a car. And that, wow. that but you know, Alabama Auburn football games are everything. Yeah, I'm, going I'm going to, in two weeks. You've gone to like, all everywhere. I've been. I've, this is my forty eighth year of Auburn football. Shit. All right. So why Auburn? Why not? Why didn't he go to Alabama at the time? Alabama didn't recruit him. He was going to go to Georgia. Really? Yeah, yeah, Alabama did wasn't but really he was, after him. He played both ways. He was good. He played defensive back. He played running back. But Alabama didn't really, and he didn't really want to go. He didn't. He wasn't chasing them, and they weren't chasing him. And that was Bear Bryant. And that was Bear Bryant. And he didn't. And Terry didn't like. Terry never liked Bear Bryant for some reason. And <laughs> it's uh, crazy, right? 
Well, did you grow <laughs> up like uh, you were immersed in that? So were you Auburn people even before? Yeah, Auburn? yeah. We, he was like we were pretty much. We knew the couple of people we knew were Auburn, and then one of Terry's friends on his on his high school football team was going to go to Georgia, and, and he was a big lineman. Right. And so Terry thought, well, I'll go over there, and you can block for me over there, just like you blocked for me in high school. And then who's the coach of Georgia at the time? Vince Dooley. Oh, who wow. is the legend? legend. Yeah, yeah. Le- yeah. So. And he's a class guy, great guy. And uh, I don't know, there might have been some shady, some, some you know, oh. Auburn might have threw a little more cash. <laughs> Something <laughs> might have come up. There might have been a, a yeah. co-ed. There might have been a cheerleader that just gave him that perfect campus tour. Cam Newton's dad showed <laughs> Somebody. <him> Something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. They might, well, Georgia might have went with that guy named Herschel Walker. You know what I mean? Oh, they might have found was that around? No, no, was no, later. no. Terry, 10 years earlier. Oh, Terry, shit. Terry. So wait, so when what's the reputation of Alabama and Auburn? Auburn fans like what's the the Auburn is like the well you go to high fluting well yeah if you Auburn's a harder school to get into and if you know Auburn people or Auburn <laughs> fans usually they went to Auburn or someone in their family went to Auburn if you're an Alabama fan you went to Walmart and bought <laughs> an Alabama t-shirt <laughs> yeah, so yeah. The, everybody's Alabama 90% of their fans did not go there whenever I meet Alabama fans the first step before I start ruining their world yeah. and, and, and heckling them right I go did you go there I mean if they go I did or if I didn't, uh, my brother did, or if I'm, I've got two kids there, then I'm like, okay, then I'm not going to jump on okay. you right now because there actually is a connection. But 90% of them couldn't find Tuscaloosa on the map. They don't even know where it is. All they know is roll tight. They just wake up, roll tight. That's all they know is roll tight. <laughs> what so, is that? It's crazy. It's too much. It's yeah, insane. But what are the games like? Is it, are the games it's insane? It's ugly. That but, week is ugly. Auburn, right? Georgia. Auburn, Georgia is this week. And then and then usually they're the last two games of the year. And so Auburn, Georgia is the friendly class reunion or fin- friendly family reunion where everybody can hang out and do all the jokes and I can do the worst Neil joke ever or the worst Lenny joke and right. just totally rake you across the coals yeah. and we all laugh and nobody gets mad ever even if it's a below the belt horrible joke no one gets mad and we all eat potato salad and shake hands and dance and go home uh, the Alabama Auburn game is that same kind of reunion but that one joke that goes wrong now there's gunplay now somebody's <laughs> going to stab somebody somebody's going to shoot somebody the cops are coming you might as well not even go to the reunion because if you make the one bad joke then somebody's going to get their pistol out and here we go so it's it a, is- I think st- I so still strange. say it is the number one rivalry in ev- out of everything. College football, it is. I think, I think nothing any, comes close to it in any sport, just because it never goes away. Uh, like, like even Michigan, Ohio State, which is big, it doesn't have that kind of like hate. It, it Carolina, also, Carolina Duke in basketball, maybe there's some uh, hate yeah, there. Some yeah, hate there. in basketball, but there's also also they play twice a year, and they can play in the sure. SEC, and yeah. then they can play in a tournament. Right, like, there's right. so many ways to get back at each other. I split it. But this is one game a year, yeah, and yeah. it is just. But it's crazy. got a dumb, smart thing to it. It's got all these things to it. You the know what I mean? Two, uh, three, the kick six game. The when he yeah. ran back the field goal, I was yep. at that game. Now my favorite story from that weekend is, um, you know, uh, at the la- there's one second left, yep. and Auburn, uh, the Alabama misses a long field goal, which you can return, and the Auburn guy runs it back 109 yards and they right. win the game, which is crazy. And so in Birmingham, Alabama, on that day, a bride was having a party with her bridesmaids and matrons of honor, and they were all watching. The game just just women at this party right just women, and just women at this party and uh, when that happened and they were all crying and got really upset the bride uh, took issue with one of the bridesmaids thinking she, she was not sad enough <laughs> so the bride went in her bedroom got a handgun came out and they were arguing and shot one of her bridesmaids oh, didn't kill her shit. didn't kill her but yeah. had, had to had to hear it now we're going to the emergency room oh my because God. the bride has shot one of the bridesmaids <laughs> for not being sad enough that alabama lost <laughs> that football totally game. makes sense to me. I can the, totally understand. What year is that? Is that, is that the Cam Newton year? Or the no, year no, it's 2013. After, right? yeah. no, that yeah. was a, that was I like because I 2013. I thought that's Nick Saban though. 
because he's like such a genius and he screwed up so bad. He begged to put a second back on yeah, the clock, yeah. and he was right. Yeah, yeah, he was right. He got one second put back on the clock so he could try the field yeah. goal. And that was and like then, the it, first chink in his oh, armor because he was like a genius. As it's going on, <laughs> as, before they've even scored, but you see him running yeah, down. Yeah. You know, it's the thirty, the twenty, the ten. Everybody in my box is going, "Hey, Nick, you got a second? Nick, give me a second. <laughs> Everybody started doing the same joke immediately. <laughs> you know, it was so good. It was so good. <laughs> oh yeah, you had a couple of years there. You knocked them up. They're so why? Why no, the can't, guy burned down the tree too? That's how yeah, bad. Yeah, he points in the trees. Yeah. yeah. Now the reason tell they tell people about the trees. The, the reason <laughs> they roll the trees is, is a, now Terry, my brother, is very good about telling you a story where he did something awesome, and he's also great about telling you a story where he did something stupid. But they they claim in Roll Tide War Eagle, the ESPN thirty for thirty, they yeah. claim that the reason they roll the trees after a big victory of any sport of any kind, there's these massive oak trees that stood on the corner of the Auburn campus forever. And uh, was uh, the, in 72, Terry's senior year, they were Alabama was number two. And in every interview leading up to the game, Terry kept saying, we're going to go up there and beat the number two out of number two. We're going to beat the number two out of number two. <laughs> so when Auburn pulled the upset, 17-16, uh, they rolled the trees for the very first time. So they oh, came, they, the they came back from Birmingham and there was toilet paper all in the but trees. The Alabama- sort of making fun of the roll tide, sort of taking their rolling yeah. thing and, then, and also the toilet paper. Because but the Alabama guy burned down the Auburn tree. He poisoned the Auburn poisoned trees. The- yes, keep saying burn down poison the well they did burn them from the inside that's basically what the fertilizer was so powerful and they're dead they're gone yeah they're gone they tried to save them and they couldn't and save these them. were the big they've been there for 200 years they've been there before uh, the university was there what's the name of that corner tumor's corner and this There's guy a drugstore went, across the this street. guy went to jail uh, he got fined a bunch of money. He's under house arrest he's never paid any of the money because you can't make if you got no money Damn. you can't get the but money. even the alabama people were like come on man he went on the radio and bragged about it. That's what got him caught. That, again, that's the genius of the Alabama fan. What a wizard. You named your kids Crimson. He named one of his kids Crimson. Uh, his yeah. kids are named like Crimson and Tide. Okay, or something, they're, they're named something. He, he, literally, he named his children two different Alabama-related things. The thought that you're in your house, like, I'm going to I'm gonna poison I'm these gonna, trees. I'm going to go out and buy this. Po- the fact that you plan, oh, my God. Not only that. to be in jail or something. Somebody beat him up on one of the on one of his visits to Auburn <laughs> for his, you know, after you got to keep going to court as his process is, you know, going right. forward. He he foolishly stops. And I'm, you know every time he came to town, there's at least five or six hillbillies are following him around, <laughs> just waiting on him to go somewhere where there's no camera. And sure enough, on his on one of these visits, he stops at the one gas station on the outskirts of town that doesn't have a camera. And as he's walking back to his car, this car rolls up, and like four guys get out and just beat the shit out of him and, and then jump in the car and drive And away. nobody's going to do anything. And nobody's going to tell. No, hell no. Yeah. He's all beat up. He, no, goes, no. he goes to the cops, and the cops are like, oh, sorry, there's no cameras. What a jackass. You know. Oh God! What is it about college football? Like, no, uh, so, but over the last since after your brother left, you know, what has been the split? Like, Alabama's been way ahead, right? Well, since Saban's now it's like you're an upset if you win. Since, well, you know, Tuberville won six in a row. Again, oh, he did in that rivalry. Yeah, yeah. The, okay. the two worst streaks were when I was a kid. After Terry then beat them seventeen sixteen, Alabama won nine in a row. Right. So in, in about the past fifty years. That's the most that everybody's reeled off without one of the other teams actually winning. So mm-hmm. I, I, they ran off nine in a row. Auburn ran off six in a row. And then uh, the past ten have been like five and five. So it, it is, it's always good. It's going to be good. They, they wouldn't go home and home until the almost 1990-something. They played the game in Birmingham every year in a neutral site weird thing. For What's somebody. the uh, look-see of this year? What, it's what in, do you think is going to happen? Oh, I don't know. I'm going. It's in Auburn. Yeah, so, yeah. It, you know, it'll be anything. It'll, it'll come down. Alabama's good. They have better players. Where is yeah. Auburn? It's in what town? It's in Auburn, Alabama. It's, right oh, it in, it's in the middle you, of the you state. You fly right into Auburn. I fly into Atlanta and drive two hours south. Oh, they, oh yeah. okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. 
You knew, and here's some uh, some of the alumni, obviously, Cam Newton, Bo Jackson. Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley. And you know Charles Barkley. Yeah, absolutely. You went to school. We were freshmen Charles. together. Yeah. We, yeah we, I, I've told this story. This is completely true. We're on campus early because the sororities are early. So you got you got down there because there's you know about thousand girls walking around before they had the school actually started. Right. So uh, I go to a mixer at the Baptist Student Union because it was just <laughs> we see something on a bulletin board that there's, a mi- that there's a mixer. You know, it was, and it was Sometimes the only you got to be Baptist. In the <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I've taken a lot of girls to church. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. Yeah. Absolutely. I, my my parents still give me a hard time about bringing this one girl home, and I, she's like, "You're going to church, Neil?" And I'm like, "We're going to church." <laughs> Right, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Onward, yeah. Christian soldiers. <laughs> Just Did as work? I am. Did it work? It does work, but there's a, <laughs> there's a flaw to the theory that if you go to church, then you then you also have to be super conservative. Right. A, you gotta you gotta live the church right. now. Now you yeah. know, there's no going back. I yeah. went to church camp. Church yeah, camp. Camp for oh, a week because my friend went. He went every year, and he's and like, he's like, church young? girls are slutty. <laughs> church girls are either really churchy and yeah, will do nothing, yeah. or they're full on. Let's go behind the barn, right. and I'll show you yours if you'll show me. You know, <laughs> as long as you go to church right it's after. Right after. Right after. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. weirdest thing. So Barkley. So Barkley. So we go to the Baptist Student Union, and uh, and there's nobody there. There's like you know five homely Baptist girls yeah. and then and punch and bark. And there's just one giant black guy in the room. <laughs> and my, my roommate recognized him because he knew him. He was a big hoops fan. He's like, Oh, I heard we were, I heard he was coming here. You know, he made all state. We got Charles Barkley. This guy's going to probably lead the sec. He's in rebounding as a freshman. So we just go walking over to him. And we're like, Hey man. And, uh, and he's like, Hey, and we just introduced ourselves. And he's like, Hey, I'm trying. I'm doing, we're talking and we're looking at each other. There's no one there. We're just all looking at each other. He, he finally Barkley looks at us. He goes, looks like you fellas made the same mistake I did. <laughs> and we're like, what's that? He goes, church girls are slutty. I'm like, yeah, we, they are. That's why we're here. And he goes, yeah, but where are they? They're just, they're, I'm standing here talking to you yeah, two. Yeah. And then we became friendly after that. And that so, I've, you know, yeah, I've, I've run into him from time to time. He's a great guy. And when was Bo? When was Bo there? Bo was there at the same time. Yeah, but he was kind of a quiet guy. He had the speech yeah. problem. Right, and and uh, he he there was a giant on the main drag through campus. Uh, there was a, called the Family and Child Development Center, and it was just a big learning center for kids, and it had a kindergarten in it and all this stuff. And his wife has a PhD in child psychology and stuff like that, and he was already dating her then. And if you saw him, he was over there in the middle of that playground with like 38 kids crawling on him all the time. That, that's, that's, uh-huh. he, he, you didn't see him hanging out with friends or doing anything. You'd see him over there hanging out with his wife and just being like a good – he was a bully, and he was one of ten kids. And so he, the minute he got older, he realized he just wanted to give back, and mm. and so he was just always over there hanging. It was I mean, every day he'd show up. And you, what if you're like eight years old and Bo Jackson comes to hang out with you during recess every day? Yeah, yeah. That's, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> that was just massive. That's a once in a lifetime athlete right there. He won the decathlon two years in a row, and he uh, it happened at my high school because we had a nice facility, and so they would do the state track championships at other facilities. They'd rotate it every year, but the decathlon was always at our school, and he won junior and senior year after. After nine events, he wouldn't do the fifteen hundred. It was too far, so he had enough points. After nine events, he, he could take a zero. He could take a zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he would win the decathlon oh, by man. only competing in. That would be events. a good story if you knew you got like who'd you lose to in high school track. I lost to Bo Jackson. Well, like that, I could live with myself. What well, didn't one of your brothers? No, I told you the story oh, where there was a guy. Yeah. There was a guy, a guy named Leland Hughes. He he, he, <laughs> right. run, he still do that. He runs the Stanley Steamer carpet business <laughs> <laughs> in Oxford, Alabama. And when we played both of them in high school. 
angle, and uh, and Leland Hughes ran him down. He had the angle. It was going to be a 95-yard run oh, from shit. the five. Yeah, yeah, and it was going to be 95 yards, and Leland Hughes got him on the angle, jumped on his back about the other 20, and kind of just <laughs> grinded him down. To, so it, it, he, Bo Jackson runs from the five to like the two. Yeah. It's like a 93-yard oh, run. Man, so and Leland Hughes still gets laid to this day. These board housewives are calling, aren't you the guy that ran Bo Jackson? <laughs> Does he have video on his iPhone so he can pull it out? Does he got like, oh, there it is. Awesome. Oh, man, college football. Crazy. These stories are amazing. All right. Uh, the final quarter I want to do today, we're going to call some of Vic's buddies and ask them for great Vic Henley stories. And uh, that's how we want to go out with some great Vic Henley stories. Kevin Flynn um, is one of Vic Henley's best friends in the world you guys he's on the phone with us now and you guys did the nantucket comedy festival you're on with neil potter as well from our podcast kevin hey, hey neil up? how are you guys and uh you were one of the first people to find out about vic and you were very close with his family and girlfriend and you guys ran that the nantucket together and uh just give us some of your thoughts and some of your great vic stories would be fantastic well you know, first of all, Vic basically, Lenny, you knew him, Neil, you knew him. He, uh, his personality, bigger than life, always laughing, smiling, patting people on the back, just a, a great time. And uh, I was actually laughing with another comedian, Tom Van Horn. Uh, some of the things that people say about him, you wonder how well they knew Vic, uh, because they'd be like, he never spoke, you know, bad word about anybody. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> right. He spoke, you know, but the thing is, the difference with Vic was he said it right to your face. Like if I was out of line in any way, he just would call you on it in that loud Alabama accent. Flanny, what are you doing? Flynn? And that was my name. It was Flynn. It was never Kevin. I don't think he ever called me Kevin once. So uh, it was great. You know, um, Vic, I've realized as I've sort of looked back on it and talked to some other comedians, he basically took care of people emotionally when they were at difficult times. You know, he was a kind of a kind of a bachelor living there in his Upper East Side apartment, and uh, you know, he had Carl Ruiz up there when he had gotten divorced. He took uh, Greg Rogel in when Greg was going through some tough times, and I realized looking back on it, he took me in at a really difficult time. I was getting divorced, and uh, yeah, I had somebody to run with, and he was great to my daughter. And uh, she loves him. She calls him Uncle Vic. And uh, I really had a great relationship with him. It was it was fantastic. And my daughter speaks fondly of, like, I had this little five-year-old girl, and I had to get a new apartment and figure out, you know, things to do with her. And we'd go over Vic's house because he had an outdoor porch, and we'd grill meat, you know. That was his big thing, just yeah, love to grill and meat, meat yeah. you know. <laughs> and my daughter looks at me at five years old. She looks up at me and goes, Dad, uh, there's no vegetables. I'm like, yeah, there there will not be any vegetables here. <laughs> this is this is Vic Hanley's house, and so um, you know we had that relationship. And and while we got divorced, we both uh, I went out to Nantucket and I was going to rent a, a house out there for two weeks. And one week was going to be with my daughter, and the second week was going to be, you know, Vic was going to come out. We're going to split it, and it was going to be like a bachelor week. Well. My ex-wife, crazy ex-wife, switches the weeks last minute. So poor Vic Henley gets stuck out there when I had my daughter and all my family, my mother, my father, and my sisters were, were all there. Oh and he did not miss a beat. He just jumped in and um, 
was part of the family and, and never said, hey, man, we were supposed to be two single guys on Nantucket in the summer bopping around. He just got a full dosage of the Flynn family. And we still laugh because every time Vic was going to take a shower in the outdoor shower, <laughs> he would yell, I'm going to take an outdoor shower. I'm going to take an outdoor shower. We're like, who is this hillbilly lunatic yelling, I'm going to take an outdoor shower? And we would all laugh about it in the house. And then um, finally, at the end of the week, I go, why do you announce in this thick Alabama accent you're taking an outdoor shower? He goes, well, Flanny, there's kids around. I don't want them to see Uncle Vic naked. I'm like, okay. That's a, that's a, good, point. That's a, good, that's a good reason to call it out. So, uh, you know, I, one of the things Vic said to me when uh, my father died, and I had a really tough time with my dad dying, as Lenny, I know you lost your father as well. It's a, it's a really difficult time and he told me this very simple advice which um i've told others which is he just said flinny remember the good times and it really struck me i'm like you know what i had great times with my father and i and i sort of thought about all the good times i had and how fortunate i was and so as i was struggling and 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 crying uh, about the loss of my friend vic henley i remembered something he said to me which was remember the good times and as you guys well know uh, there were plenty of good times with uh, with Vic Henley. There were. And yeah. Thank you so much for uh, sharing those with us. Yeah, thank you so much. DC Benny. Lenny Marcus, what's you, up, bro? You have Neil on the phone with us as well. How long do you go back with Vic, DC, and can you give us some of your thoughts, maybe a Vic or t- story of Vic or two for everyone? You know, uh, tremendous loss. Vic uh, was a a good friend. I don't have too many friends in comedy. I know a lot of people, but you know, I don't have uh, a whole lot that I hang out with. And, uh, Henley, uh, I, I think I met him probably early nineties at, the, uh, at the comic strip. I'm thinking when I first, you know, I first, you know, Lucian, uh, you know, told me, he's like, you're, we've already got too, too many, uh, uh, <laughs> Hispanics, we've got JJ, we've got uh, uh, Louis and Vega, you know, we've already got so many Hispanics. We said Spaniards, that's what we said, Spaniards. <laughs> and then Henley, <laughs> Henley, we were having Spaniards. Uh, Henley, I, I met, and, and you know, it was kind of like we're, we're both a little fish out of water. He was like, you know, the, the country dude and and uh, whatever, and, and, and we just kind of hit it off. And then I started doing this storytelling night at the zinc bar right uh and and henley was like the uh, one of the 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 foundation (laughs) him and ben bailey i could always reach out to them and henley'd be like god damn it i don't want to go downtown they're paying me no goddamn money (laughs) you know i've got to go downtown take the fucking benny oh hell you know dag nabbit and but he would He'd always do it, man. He'd always do it, and he'd always knock it out of the park. And he and he loved it because he wasn't telling stories on stage at the time. He was doing he was doing bits, and he had these great stories off stage. And he had this he had this George Bush story, right. which I cannot do justice to. But it was basically him performing for George Bush Senior, um, and George Bush Senior heckling him, and them going back and forth, and. Uh, I, I would, t- I, I would, t- and somehow he got a baseball sign with George Bush Senior. He, he got him to sign the baseball, and I was like, Henley, you gotta tell that story because he would do it at the story night, and I'm like, dude, you could do that on stage. He's like, I don't know, goddamn, 
you know, it's a, it's a and uh, I was like, dude, you gotta do it. <laughs> and uh, uh, he he eventually started doing it at corporates, and he was like, he's like, Benny, I gotta tell you, I close with that thing now at the corporates. I close wow. with. It. Uh, they love it. He goes, and, he, and, he's, and then he started telling more stories because of that, and then we eventually filmed one of these indie pilots that went absolutely nowhere, um, but it was a great. Uh, it was the storytelling night and Henley Henley was on there and he did that George Bush story and at the end of it he gave me the baseball that George Bush gave him so I have that baseball and I wish I could I, I gotta find this story somewhere we have a uh, some outdated mode like a DVD of it or, <laughs> or something an 8 track on that fucking thing but um, you know that's kind of he was just and he loved he loved doing those stories and eventually I, you know, he just, he started bringing him to the stage and he always came back to me and, and told me, he's like, you know, he's like, that night at that damn jazz bar, dagnabbit, you know, <laughs> that that made me tell him stories. You yeah. know, bar, dar, 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 the banjo music would play. And, um, but goddamn, I miss that dude. I, I love that guy. He was, he was so versatile because he could do, that, that was the other thing. The last, okay, I talked to him the night before he died and, and we, we're talking about, I, I had brought him out here to, uh, out to the North Fork of Long Island to do a little, a little show. It was like, you know, it was a little, and he, man, there's a photo of him somewhere. He had just gotten off the bus. It was snowing that hour, you know, he's like, he's like, fuck man, I, I, I stopped doing things like this 20 years ago, <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> and I was like, and then he, we got there and he, uh, and for and it wasn't the usual crowd of people. It was a new venue for me. I was working on where so it was it was a lot of Trump people, and he and basically eighty percent Trump people. And so I was like Henley, you know, I know you're gonna, I know you have all the kind of political stuff. Maybe don't do it. And he was getting so pissed waiting in the back listening <laughs> to these people. He went up there and he did like a half hour of Trump material, and they laughed at it though. They laughed at it. That was what was so great about that dude, man. Oh man. You know? It was great. He, he, I know a little bit that, about that Bush story. So he, it goes back and forth with Bush, right? And yeah, and Senior falls in love with him. So, I, ten, I think the story is ten years later, like ten years or whatever yeah. it is, d- the other ones in the White House, and somehow he ends up doing something for the other Bush. You know, with the or, or I don't know if it's a fundraiser. I don't know if it's I don't know what happened. Somebody says get Vic Henley. I don't know if he's with Ron. But he does something f- with the other Bush involved, the son, and yeah. now and now there's a bus, and uh, he gets on, he goes on to this bus, and Senior, who you know, is there, and he and Senior takes one look at Vic and goes, "Vic, how you been?" <laughs> ten years later, he knew, he remembered him. Ten years later, it was yeah. amazing. He was like that, you know. Yeah. That he had, that, that, there was that one. I'm gonna find that thing. Yeah. You know, there's obviously his midget story, which he's, yeah. is is online, and he had a story about doing um that Borat movie or the or That's the, right. the. We're gonna play. We actually have that story. Uh, uh, we we're, we played. We're gonna play it on the podcast. Yeah. And the thing, the thing about it is, he kept adding on to that thing because he would end it one night. He would end it at one place. 
but there was like a whole other chapter of it. There'd be a whole other chapter. He told me there was another. I was like, dude, what about that part? And then there'd be another part. You know, it was like it was incredible, man. It's one of my favorite all time stories. Oh, yeah, he well, one he didn't tell it as a news. he didn't tell us this as a bit. He actually told us what happened. So we asked him a million questions on it, and that's Neil's yeah. favorite one. So that's yeah. my favorite story. Yeah, I mean, just to be part of that situation life must have been it just i can't i can't even believe he was there yeah oh yeah crazy. he's oh, always yeah. he's always he's like he's no matter what i brought up he had something you know it was amazing yeah man i mean uh you know i i wish i had you know a, a real funny vic henley story you know that you know the beginning middle and end but it's just he dude he was the repository he was the national treasure of of stories which i you know which i love and he because of him you know i it, he i was able to go out there more when we would do this room and you know we would take these risks comedically and stuff like that kind of had each other's back and you know i i owe a lot to that guy you know i owe a lot to that guy um for 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 being able to do that for being able to do this you know there's a story uh, i don't know if you know the story dc he like I had written this in, on the um, on Facebook, but he used you know I used to say he used motherfucker as a, like a a verb, so he <laughs> he would. But the story that he told was like he he was in some big meeting with like the the you know the Ron White Foxworthy gang at one point, and I don't know they were like trying to cut him out of some deal or I don't know what it was. <laughs> And they were all there, all these southern dudes, big shots. Like, this was like, he was in the big time, you know? And yeah. he was so mad, he got up, he said, I think, this is the way I remember the story. He got up, and he looked at all of them, and he was like, he went around the room, made this big scene, and went, fuck you. He goes, Lenny, <laughs> he goes, I motherfuckered all of them. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, right? <laughs> And he storms out of the room, right? And I go, I he just pauses. My face is on the floor, you know. My mouth is wide open. And I go, that that couldn't have been good, you know. Like he he go, I go, that wasn't good for your career, right? He goes, probably not. <laughs> oh yeah, he was one of a kind. DC, thank you so much for uh, for doing this. And um, thank you, DC. Guys, uh, thanks for having me on. I wish I had something more amazing and funny about right. him. Uh, the last thing he told me was that uh, he was cracking up because he was getting ready to do a, I think he was getting ready to do a road trip and he was going to terrorize the, the opener who was driving. <laughs> and he said he was going to do this Bill Hicks thing where Bill Hicks had an, he had an opener in the car. The guy was getting ready to drive and it's going to be a seven hour drive. And the guy was... Bill Hicks is like, uh, I'm going to be Keith Richards for the next seven hours. <laughs> 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 and I think Henley was thinking of who he was going to be, man. Oh, man. Uh, you know, but uh, so hey, man, it's nice to give a tribute to that guy. He was the best. You guys are good dudes. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, R.I.P. Henley. I'm going to pour out some pour out a little whiskey for you tonight. Uh, thanks, D.C. All right. All right, D.C., we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Stay safe. All right, guys. Take okay, care. Bye. Bye-bye. Andy Pitts. Okay, cool. Hey, Lenny. Hey, Andy. How are you? I'm, we're recording. Good. So Neil's here. And, hey, what's up? And, uh, hey, Neil. I know you know Henley, and you hung out with him a lot at the Strip. Uh, you got any memories of Vic you want to share? Uh, yeah, yeah. All good. 
of course. Um, one thing that, you know how you have those things that every time you see somebody, you hear, you remember something they said, it just makes you kind of smile. Yeah. Well, Vic, uh, Vic was talking to me about an old story from when he was in college and there was a girl, I think at a fraternity party that he was, that he thought was beautiful and he was thinking of hooking up with, but she was, you know, more statuesque than he was normally attracted to. So he was sort of talking himself into it and he described her as, he said, you know, it's chicks like an air six to you, couple of hundy. And that was the phrase. Every time I saw him, he would go, yeah, yeah, chicks to you, couple of hundy. And it was just the thing that tickled me about him. Uh, and because I thought that I was the only other person, like I like to have it for myself. I think I was the only other person who heard it. So it made me feel like, know. you know, I was in. Six to couple of hundy, I like it. <laughs> oh, and the other one was something that I did hear secondhand. I definitely was not uh, exclusive on this one, but apparently um, Vic was, you know, he had a few drinks. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think somebody said he was pretty, you know, pretty blind, like slurring a little bit or whatever, having a great time. It was in the middle of the winter, and they were leaving uh, a brownstone or an apartment like downtown that had maybe 10 steps concrete, you know, up on the stoop and of course the landlord neglected it and there the steps were covered with ice and vic walks out telling the story like like looking over his shoulder not even looking apparently he he started to slip on the top step and there were arms and legs everywhere and then landed right on the sidewalk on both feet and just and just kept talking like nothing happened i guess you know just my, my cat brain might have kicked in i don't know that Unfortunate about that. Oh man, he was one of that takes talent. Takes talent. He was a great dude. Yeah, he was great. I don't. I don't ever. Even when he was. Even when he didn't. He hated the crowd. I would laugh. You know what I mean? (laughs) Especially. Yeah, he was just like, all right, and and then he would hand me the mic. I go, are they good? And he would just like give me this like eye roll, like, nope, but (laughs) you got no choice. You know, that was great. Perfect. Thanks for calling me, guys. You got, I got a lot of people to talk to. Thank you so much, Andy. Okay. Thank Have you. a good one. Bye. Bye, Neil. Ray Ellen, you're on oh, with right. you're on the Four Corners podcast <laughs> with uh, Lenny and Neil. Hey, uh, what's up, Lenny and Neil? We want to talk about. Vic, we're doing a tribute to Vic Henley, and uh, give us your thoughts. You got any stories of Vic? Um, I was I. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> Please regale us. I, um, Vic and I, we would go sometimes after working at the, the comic strip, sometimes we would go up to Elaine's, which is a very, it was sort of a, it was a very, uh, popular restaurant bar, uh, Billy, uh, Joel sang about it in the song, uh, Big Shot. Yep. Um, and it was and famous you go for you going to Hollywood used to go in there all the time, like Broadway stars and whatever. You'd see a lot of famous people there back in the day, right? Yes. You'd see, I, I believe, you know, a long, long time ago, Woody Allen would be right. there. We'd see like uh, Robert Altman yep. and Peter Fonda and Dabney Coleman and Michelle Lee, like a lot of uh, sort of old school celebrities who, who had been going there, you know, throughout their careers, right. you know, and, and still continue to go. And Elaine would sit there, she'd hold court, you'd walk in and she would be at her table um, with whatever uh, friends or, or stars were there. And we wanted to we wanted to go. And, you know, it's hard getting a table there. Like, I, I you know, we'd walk in, 
So I just I just went in one day and I went over to Elaine and I kind of leaned in and I whispered some bullshit to her <laughs> and uh, and she looked up and kind of smiled. I think I just said basically we're, we're all comedians and blah blah blah. But I you know I managed to try to let, let her think that we were really something important to be in the in her in her restaurant. Right. And and she kind of looked up to her maitre d and she said, "Yeah, Michael." And she kind of just pointed to an empty table, so like giving us the okay to sit down. And, great. And Vic was kind of, it was great. And Vic was sort of like, "Holy shit, man! How'd that? How'd that happen? Holy shit!" I'm like, yeah, whatever. whatever. <laughs> so we sit down, and we just proceeded. To, you know, we would just just drank and laughed, and we, we did as many multiple times. And Vic, he had some family that came up once, and we and we took them there. Some some family from from Alabama, and we went with them. And Vic just loved, he got such a big kick, like, he'd be like, that's Dabney fucking Coleman. That's <laughs> Buffalo Bill, Dabney fucking Coleman. And he would just point out, because I didn't know, and I didn't know, for example, like, what, what Robert Altman looked like. And right. he would, and he was, that's Robert Altman, the fucking film director. He did, <laughs> he did the fucking, the player, MASH, he did it all. And Vic was just so great. It, it, was, it was just funny. It was, he would, could spot everybody and had something to, you know, a little, story to say about everybody and it was such a good time i think he was so and, happy at all times to get out of alabama and tell the like experience the world that it always came back to him as like this is a great moment you know everything yeah. it, it, it was incredible and he knew everything about every subject about every person it was just just incredible um so you know i miss I, those were really fun times the the other thing we once did, I remember that, that really stood out. You know, it's funny. It's not like we did. You know, we do so many shows together that it's it's rare for like a specific show to stand out. Yeah. Um. And we did a a charity event at a club one night, and they said to us, you know, you should you should you know try to be clean, you know, whatever. <laughs> and we're like, all right, fine. And so Vic goes up, and the set the the the, the crowd was was pretty stiff. They were like they were a pretty uptight uh, crowd. And Vic Stewart is saying, he's having a good set. Like, he's good. The crowd was just tight, you right. know? So he closed the set. He did this joke. He had, like, this uh, sort of, like, joke where the punchline is essentially Sarah Palin is a cunt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he he does it. He gets up and he's like, yeah, yeah, Sarah Palin's a cunt. Good night, everybody. <laughs> and he walks up. And these people, their faces just drop. They're like, what? Uh, what? And when he comes off stage, I said to him, I said, I said, you know, we, we were supposed to be clean. What? He goes, ha, ha, I don't care. I hated these fucking people. They suck. <laughs> and it was just, he was just, it was just, just ballsy and funny yeah. that, you know, he had just such, it, it, the, the crowd did suck. Yeah. yeah they I, were terrible. There were people who go, just, I don't give a fuck, right? Vic gave no fucks. I mean, he that that expression was invented for that guy. You know? Yes, it really Completely. was. I remember. Completely. I remember a quick story. So one time, the the remember the Comedy Cellar cruise. I always take the Comedy Cellar cruise, right? One time, yes. Vic and I, Vic booked like a corporate that had me open for him in front of. I'm not even joking. Maybe 25 people at some little bar, and it was really good money. And they were really nice to us. We went in and did this like little show, but it was gonna, it was, it was gonna go a little long. Like the boat leaves at seven, and we were gonna get out of there. It's, it's it was early, like a five thirty to seven show. Like we got out of there at like quarter of wherever we were, 
and then we're we're a good 20 minutes away from the boat you know what i mean like we're good so we kind of get in the cab and we make the attempt to get to the boat but neither one of us really want to do the boat and uh you know the it, it was just too much. And of course, my phone rings. It's like 7.05. We missed it. You know, we're, we're like at the pier and we're like, we're, we must have missed my bo- my phone rings and it's got to be somebody going, sorry, you missed it. We're leaving. Right. And we're uh-huh. being like, sorry, we'll get on. The, we'll do the next one. It's SD. And she's like, where are you and Vic? And I'm like, well, we're close. We're just, we, did we miss it? I'm sorry. And she's like, oh, no, no, we're holding it for you. <laughs> and Vic, so I hang up the phone and I'm like she says she's holding it for us she's like he's like well then we gotta go and we just we got on a boat it didn't bother me either way you know what I mean it's just, it, it's just, we gotta go we like you totally changed course it was great that's great well Ray great. thank you so much yeah, for I, chiming in thanks Ray yeah I'll tell you Matt I, I just I just woke up and this is a, a very actually enjoyable way to, to start the day to think about these fun times you know i i have to tell you i didn't see vic as much recently because I, I wasn't going uptown uh as much these last few years i've been you know just working primarily downtown but it's amazing you know on social media every time i see i mean any picture every picture you ever see of, of vic kenley is him with a just with a big it's like it's like mid laugh yeah. It's like mid-laugh. It's amazing, you know? right? There's not one of him not smiling, the big smile, and you know something goofy's happening. Yeah. He really, he had fun. He, he really did. did have, he always had fun. Yeah. He enjoyed life. Yeah, he enjoyed life. He enjoyed life. That's Thank, all we got to do. Thanks, Ray. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Ray. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. We got one more because I don't even have time for it anymore. This guy, Judd Jones. So Judd Jones, Neil, before we, is, um, he's... Uh, Vic's neighbor, and okay. uh, and he does stand up, and we should probably have him on at some point. He's a very nice guy, and I think Vic took him under his wing, so this is going to be hard on him. Um, Lenny Marcus, Judd Jones, how are you, my friend? How are you doing these days? Oh, everything's great. No bad news. What about you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This lockdown, it's a, I was telling people it's like a war. Oh, my Neil Potter is on the phone. He's my co-host. Hey, what's for up? The show. Neil, how are you? We're going to have to have you on for a formal full hour. Um, we're calling you today because of uh, Vic, and uh, we know you have a kind of interesting relationship with him in the last couple of years. Why don't you tell us how you met him quickly and then give us a couple of great Vic memories. Okay, yeah. Um, I met Vic. I moved to New York, I guess it was uh, five years ago. And I only started doing comedy for a year and a half in Houston before I moved to New York. And, um, you know, because why not? When you have a reasonably successful career, why not throw it away and do comedy? There you go. Um, <laughs> that's what I but, did. Uh, yeah, yeah. Get, in, get into it when you're in your, about to turn 40. That's the time to start comedy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I went to literally went to the bar in the neighborhood, perhaps a bar you might have gone with him to at one point. Um, on the Upper East Side, I was living with my girlfriend, who I still live with. I met her right after I moved here. Well, she's next door neighbors with Vic. Oh, wow. And it turns out I was at the bar, talked to the, the bartender, told him I do stand-up comedy. He asked if I knew Vic Henley. And I said, well, I know the name. I just can't place him. He says, oh, he comes in here all the time. And literally five days later, I'm in the bar and Vic walks in 
And so the bartender introduces me to him, says, oh, yeah, this is Judd. He just moves to New York. He does comedy. And, of course, Vic is skeptical, right. you know, fr- from the from the beginning. <laughs> and um, but he he knew uh, he knew people from Houston uh, who'd been in comedy who I had met, you know, just in the year and a half that I was doing it. And uh, so we kind of connected on that. And it turns out I found out a couple years after that he called one of the guys, a comedian named John Wessling. Okay. And um, he's a Houston guy. And um, Vic had known him for years working the clubs in Houston. And so he actually yeah. called him and said, hey, John, I met this guy, Judd Jones. Is he worth the shit? <laughs> 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 you know, and then John was like, oh, you know, he's a nice guy, whatever, blah, blah. And then since then, you know, we just hung out more and more. And, and um, you know, I tell you, it's just, a, a, you know, I'm not an overly spiritual person or anything, but sometimes I think there's something about the universe there, you know, like meeting somebody like Vic when you're just starting out in comedy. I mean, what better person to meet, you know, because he's, he's going to give it to you straight and he'll show you how it works. You yeah, know, it's like you want to play mean, baseball and you meet like Mickey Mantle and he's showing you how to hit, you know. Yeah, I mean, just you know, I mean, how how lucky was I? And um, but no, I mean that that that's how we met. And then we just you know he took me around the clubs and you know and um, he had me opening for him. We actually had uh, some shows this weekend scheduled mm. in Royersford with um, Joel that? Richardson. Um, he's got some shows in Pet Royersford, and I forget what the other wait. Place where was. is Royersford? What's that? Where is that? Uh, well, see, let's see, uh, down, what is the closest, the King of Prussia? Oh, okay, okay. It's kind of close to that in Pennsylvania, yeah, there's a casino near there, but that guy Joel Richardson, he produces shows out there, he works with Rick Adana, right. and um, so yeah, anyway, but Vic was so happy that we had these gigs this weekend, because he said his entire career, he always tried to book gigs on tax weekend. <laughs> <laughs> So he could just give a big fuck you to the government because right. he earned money that weekend, you know. <laughs> so yeah, we had we had that set up, but um, but no, I mean we became such good friends, man. I tell you, you know, it, it him passing away, that's probably the closest person, like day to day. I mean, because we hung out or talked every day for you know a long time. Yeah, and um, so that I mean that was a pretty hard hit, and I I tell you I didn't realize how hard of a hit it was until I. Uh, called his mother, oh, right? Geez. And oh well, I got her contact info from somebody, and I thought, well, you know, I never met her, but you know, she's sitting in quarantine in Alabama, like the rest of everybody everywhere else. And uh, so I called her, and I swear to God, man, as soon as I said, "Is this Gloria?" and she said, "Yes," I was paralyzed. I mean, tears. I couldn't talk. Mm-hmm. I mean, that has never it hadn't happened since he died, and it, it's never happened in my life. I was just paralyzed, but. And typical, which was, you know, just perfect that it's Vic's mother. I started to talk and I just couldn't. And then she says, uh, well, honey, I couldn't quite hear you. You're going to have to speak up because we got a storm blowing through. <laughs> <laughs> and that immediately broke the ice. And I talked to her for two hours, man. Oh, wow. And uh, it was great. And, you know, Vic had been talking to her a lot recently because she had had um, uh uh, she had fallen down and, you know, plus with the quarantine. So he had talked to her a lot, and that's what she was telling me. But they were talking every day for hours, like for the last, you know, so I thought that was pretty nice. Oh, but, um, no, man, that's all a dude. I mean, he, everything he did for me yeah. dragged me along. I mean, 
I couldn't ask for anything better. But, you know, we hung out in the backyard and barbecued damn near every week, you know. That's great. And thank, so thank you for sharing that with us. And, yeah, that's uh, amazing. I'm glad he, you know, I'm glad he got to help you in your New York career and, you know, pay it forward maybe. Well, you know, I try, I feel like I, I was lucky. I mentioned that guy, John Wesling. I, I figured out early on, I think this is one of the benefits to getting into comedy later. I've already lived a little bit of a life and been around a lot of different kind of people. And being such a fan of comedy first, I kind of saw who were the real deal people. Right. in houston you know and the same thing you know meeting people like Vic, like you man i mean oh, you know thanks. i mean the, the real deal no nonsense comedians they know what it's all about and it's invaluable i mean you know it's like that thing surround yourself with uh you know good people or you know uh strong people and people who are gonna you know you want to kind of base what you're doing off of you know and he was one of them man for sure for yeah. sure but he was a good i have, I have to tell you this lenny sure. do, I, do you have a minute yeah yeah go ahead all right, I, only, I I listened back to y'all's episode with Vic the mm-hmm. other day, and um, I have to tell you something I'm very proud about that happened. I stumped him on a music knowledge thing. <laughs> <laughs> this happened. This happened. Uh, I think a couple weeks ago, uh, we were doing Opie's uh, Opie's radio podcast or Opie's podcast, and I told him, "Okay, y'all know the song Good Hearted Woman, yeah. right?" Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson. Okay. Okay. All right. Good-hearted woman, right? So I tell Vic, and Vic's just, he's three sheets to the wind when I'm telling him this, (laughs) right? I mean, we'd been there. We'd been there for a couple hours. And I told him that good-hearted woman was written by Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson at a poker game because they were in Fort Worth, and Waylon saw an advertisement in the paper for Ike and Tina Turner, and it talked about how she was a good-hearted woman, but her man was two-timing. Right. They wrote the song "Good Hearted Woman" based off Ike and Tina Turner. Oh wow! Right, and Vic, it blew his mind. And he, like I said, he's three sheets, and he just goes into it. Fuck you! That's not true. That's not true. There's no. I've never heard that. You don't know shit. He's just going on and on. And then, and then I start reciting. The lyrics that I'm like, this is that. And the thing with Vic, when he'd get to that point, that's when you have to hit the gas. If right. you're saying something that's bothering him or right. whatever, just hit the gas and let it go further. So I kept telling him that this is Ike and Tina Turner. He's, and then he says, are you going to give me a music orgasm? <laughs> is that what you're going to do? So anyway, that was a pretty proud uh, moment. I stumped him on a music thing, you know? Oh, man. That's <laughs> I'm going to awesome. go listen to the song. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and, and we, we read the lyrics back, and it is think of it. I could see a Turner. It's a head scratcher, man. I would never have thought. I mean, I'm, Waylon and Willie were like some of the first music I ever listened to as a kid with my parents, and I just now found this out like within the last year, and I'm like, what? <laughs> oh man, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Judd. And like I said, we'll, we uh, we're so glad that you could have you spent time with him, and um, that he launched. You could help launch your New York City career, and. Um, you know, you'll carry with him with you always. Absolutely. I wish he could have stayed around longer because I haven't peaked yet. I need more help. So <laughs> if he could, you know. Well, come so on, Lenny. We'll see if I can Jesus help you. Christ. We'll see if we can. We, if we have you on the show for a full episode, your career is going to skyrocket. Skyrocket. Right well, that's what I'm looking for. All right. Pencil me in. That All sounds right. good. You got it. All right, Jeff. We'll talk right. to you soon. Thank you so, so much. much for doing this. Lenny, Neil, y'all take care. Thanks a lot. All right. Okay, well, 
that's it, Neil. I mean, we we heard all the great stories that we wanted to hear. He, you know, he obviously loved to be excited about new things and loved to learn and loved to experience great times. And he lived hard and he played hard and he worked hard and he's, you know, all that. He he packed a lot until those fifty seven years, you know. Yeah, he kind of he kind of attacked everything the same, which I, I like, and I I definitely think he had that switch that not a lot of people have that kind of like fu switch that most people just don't have a a pretty brave switch yeah he was just a good dude a strong personality a strong presence and and i think dc summed it up best when we spoke to him like every picture you ever see this guy is him smiling a big smile he just loved it he loved life well also i think uh, someone said they're gonna take a shot of whiskey i think that's also a great thing to do that's a good thing to do even for me yeah, even you. <laughs> and to the to the end of my days, I will root for Auburn over Alabama because you know Vic Henley just drilled it into me. And uh, yeah, he's a big Auburn guy. And I think Auburn, Alabama. I think the Iron Bowl. I think Vic Henley. All right, Neil. Um, we have no good thing or bad thing of the week this week. We'll just see everybody next week. And rest in peace, Vic Henley. We miss you. We love you. Bye bye.
Woo! Yesterday we had a serious radio release party for Hell is Real, and it was so much fun. Um, I'm so happy. Yeah, they gave us a lot of money. They gave us a lot of money. Zero. They gave us a lot of money. They gave us a lot of money. But Vic will make a lot of money on the back end once they start playing in rotation. So that's that's why we release these things. Lenny did a good job. He edited my horrible act. That's not true. It's not horrible. You people need to go out and buy this record because they still call them records. I don't know. It's kind of funny. Where'd you record it? Go Bananas in Cincinnati. Oh, nice. And it's like the cellar. It literally pops. You can touch the ceiling with your hand. Oh, oh. It's it's a 200-seater. Oh, it's like built. And it boom, boom, oh, right. Cool. You can literally walk over and you, you can take the drink off the table of the person next to the oh, stage cool. if you wanted to. So. Cool. Yeah, there's not many of those places left, I feel like. It's a, it, there's been, I told Lenny, there's been comedy in that room for uh, 35 years. Oh, nice. Did you ever hear that this on I-71 there's a sign, Hell is Real, in a big billboard? No, I didn't know. You didn't know Some that? farmer. Uh-uh. Some farmer he has it. And it's not his only one. That's the craziest thing. Go ahead, Vic. Tell him. It says hell is real. It says the hell is real. The first one says hell is real. And it's as, big, it's as big as a commercial billboard. And they've been there? He's made it out of plywood. Yes, he's oh, done so it himself. It says hell is real. <laughs> and then the next one is the first uh, five commandments of the top ten. Oh, that's and then the next one is the last five, as Lenny pointed out, like Moses. <laughs> so when, you, wait, when you're driving, you... When you're driving south, you get hell is Israel, then you get <laughs> commandment one to ten, yeah, yeah. commandment one Did to five. That's funny. And nowadays it's, it makes complete sense. Now, now well, it has more meaning. Like he's driving, like, like yeah, oh, yeah. don't cover thy neighbor's wife. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. right. I right. thought it was well. Actually, I thought per, the first time when I just saw Hell is Real, yeah. I thought it was just that guy's comment on he, how sad his life was. I, yeah. <laughs> I, didn't think, I didn't think it had anything to do with religion. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought like this poor bastard is <laughs> just sad to say. Like the. the oh, Oh my God! The third hell, sign is just hell like, is real. <laughs> he walked in; his wife was with another guy. He's like, Damn it! This exactly. is real. The third sign is just him crying. <laughs> yes, yes. The opposite of you and Bethel, and the opposite yeah, of him and, and so Gina. Funny. I mean, you no, got to express. Yourself. I really thought it was hell. I really no, thought yeah, that. Make, yeah, it could be that. Not a religious crackpot. Just Not a bad all. day. No, yeah, just a, just a disgruntled man. <laughs> he so, got just laid some, off at GM. Right, soybean farmer, mad, <laughs> mad. <laughs> Monsanto crushed his like seeds. There you go. There you go. Right. He's got a Vic's got a couple of tracks on this album about um like just things he's overheard, just people saying the dumbest things, and they're c- crying, laughing, funny, uh, crying, laughing. Well, that's funny. why I live here. You know, the, I don't know if that's on there, but one of the ones, one of the reasons I live here yep. is you know, as both of y'all know, all you gotta do is walk around here for twenty yeah. minutes. Yeah, and if, if you're if you're not seeing a Fellini film, oh, then got one you're in you. one. No, then you're in one. If well, you're not watching one, then you better look around because you're in one, right? After I left you yesterday, Vic, at Sirius, right. I went to have lunch with Gina. Right. We get in the elevator down from the you know the commissary, whatever right. it is at NBC. We get in the elevator. I'm not joking. There's a guy talking to another guy. The guy standing next to me has a full. He's got to be in his fifties, and he's got a full wig on. Like a full, like, I I thought it would be a girl's wig. It was like red with bangs, like a mullet size down his hair, like down his back. And I walk in like, I, like it, it just came out. I was just like, oh, like, like I just like, oh, and Gina is stepping on my foot. Like, of no, no, no. And this guy's talking to the other guy. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And she's like, uh, she's She's yelling at me as we get up. I have to work in this building. I like, do you know that guy? No. I'm like, she's like, but I have to work in the building. 
I'm like, what, is, so what does that mean? You don't know either one of those. But the guy had a full wig and just chatting up. Yeah, the weather's yeah. great. Now Gina fine. has to enter the building every, a different, no. different way every, every day. She's like, got to enter under. Loading dock. <laughs> Loading dock. <laughs> I just keep whispering. Boop, 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 Goddamn Lenny. <laughs> I just keep whispering in her Goddamn ear. Lenny. She's got to know. She's got to know. He's got to know. He's got to know. He's got to know. He's got to know. You can't not. You know, you can't. He's got to know. You can't not. Uh, okay. Anyway, well, can how I do ask you, my Alabama question before we? Uh, we all right, on? I'll let you do that. How the hell is Alabama the only state that doesn't have it? All the, the states have this virus. Corona. And Alabama's the only one. It's clear. It's unbelievable. They don't test anybody. That would be my first. <laughs> yeah, that would be my first guess. Yeah, we don't care. Like, we ain't pussies. Skeeters. Skeeters. <laughs> we survived the skeeters. Like, they got they, oh, so the virus won't even go in. No, 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 no. Can't even. The mosquitoes ain't gonna. You know, skeeters ain't gonna. You know. That's you got a thing i was looking at your twitter you got a thing on twitter it's like when are you coming to cleveland and you keep calling it clebola well because, where did that start well because nikki uh my girl uh lives in cleveland and she's from Berea, ohio and when the ebola thing started she just started calling clebola clebola that's so it's, funny that's a nikki joke that's, <laughs> that's, the, so that's, so, that's the rare you know, anyone I've ever dated that's put something in my show. But when that started, she just started coming. Because we would always scout. Yeah, because we do long distance. So right. I got to go back and forth. Right. And so she was always like, you know, well, when are you coming back to Clebola? And I'm like, I'm stealing that immediately. I'm stealing. But people are like, why are you calling it Clebola? Because like it is Clebola. They're so defensive They're about Clebola. So because it's, well, it's a mistake on the lake. It's every right. bad joke. It's right. like Richard Pryor. Yeah. I guess the devil. I... Devil been acting a motherfucking fool. You are gonna have to exercise a motherfucker to Cleveland or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's a prior is, 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 I've never been mother. to Cleveland. Is it? Is it? Well, there's a there's a tower. The, the the big tower downtown around the it's mall. It's nice. The square is kind it's of called nice. the terminal tower. Yeah. So it's but it's on it's 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 on an eerie lake and uh. the tower is terminal. So <laughs> they got a lake that they got a lake that's sick and they got a toe. It's Clebola. It's I, ever uh, horrible bad I joke. They try. So They're hard. one in thirty one. Yeah. They're one in thirty one <laughs> over. To, I mean, you know, come on. LeBron left that twice. Was the greatest. Right. Yeah. Came back. Left twice. Yes. They try so yes. hard though. I feel like they try so hard and then it, it just it just well. They well, get cocky she, about it. That's why she likes it, and that's why she owns it, and that's why she called it. Clebola is a badge of honor. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> it really God. is. It's a badge of honor. Uh, it really um, is. Shout out to Nikki Highland. Uh, thank you, Nikki. <laughs> Shout out to Nikki Highland. So you're, are you currently, you're still on, you go on tour with Ron White and also Kathleen sometimes Madigan. Kathleen Madigan. Yep. So you kind of go back and forth yep. between their tours and over for them. And then me and, too. And yes, and of course your tour, of course. And so what is the difference? Obviously you by yourself is a thing, but then what's the difference what is the fun on either one of those tours? Madigan gives me five more minutes. Ah, that's the fun. <laughs> and that's she lets me, and she lets me say anything I want. Oh, Ron, despite you know, Ron's pretty good, but he yeah. doesn't. He doesn't want me trashing it up too much. Oh, okay. Because he wants to save the trash that. for yeah, himself, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. which is a pussy move. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it. Okay. How I've long are you doing? Ron I've told him this yeah. on the bus. Right. I'm like, you don't have an output. Just go ahead and be like Silence of the Lambs and tuck your penis in between <laughs> and just go ahead and dance around. If you're gonna tell me I can't say fuck but twice, <laughs> but he literally did. He's like, watch it, watch it on the fucks. But this was like, you know, '06, right? And I, I'm sure he wouldn't mind. I don't. He's printing matter. money. He yeah. ain't pin. He didn't. Yeah, I've I've gone off script a million times, <laughs> especially if um, 
he doesn't like it when they get rowdy. Yeah. And he'll turn the lights up and throw somebody out. Right. And it gets really awkward. So he's trying to let you tame him first. So I'm like, I'll be the I'll be the rodeo clown. Yeah. Here we go. You know. So in that respect, I'm like, shut the fuck up, which is what I had to do last Saturday in Paducah, Kentucky. <laughs> That's a real place, huh? Yeah. Paducah. <laughs> I've heard of it. I feel like it's fake, but it's there. <laughs> was I I I trumped him on the uh I go, isn't this like a I'm like a nerdy Yeah. You know, yeah, Wikipedia. <laughs> so, Four Rivers come to congruence right there. So. Oh, they do, and, and it's, it's, it's which uh, the Mississippi, the Tennessee. Oh wow, well, that's two monsters right Huge, there. Huge, yeah, that's two monsters. So it's the Mississippi, the Tennessee, and. Uh, I think that I, I named the third one, and then no one there knew the fourth one. Nah. I'm like, I'm not even from here. I got three out of four. <laughs> <laughs> they just know Mitch McConnell. That's right. Who you, on your album, you take a huge shit. Oh on. my god! It he's, is the funniest thing. His face is trying to eat his neck. <laughs> his neck is trying to eat his face. Or one way or the other, Mitch McConnell. Uh, I believe his neck is trying to eat his face. Yeah, I don't. He's know like a turtle. It's like a weird. They know that. They know that. They actually yeah, they have a good do. sense of humor about that. Oh, they, they yeah, lie. Yeah, no, no yeah. one got mad. No one got mad at any of this Lenny really no I know um so also their their booker is on your booker Jackie Nobby Kenobi 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 Jackie Obi-Wan Jackie Kenobi yes. I should remember this by now APA she's great and it just happens to be Leslie Jones's booker as well oh really yeah oh well Jackie's great yeah she is great and uh but remember I always I had that incident way long ago yes. we had a big incident yes. with yes. Lewis Black where I had yes. Yes, gone yes, off the board yes, yes, instead yes, of yes. going to everybody uh, i you try to pocket I the try money to, no, I, <laughs> we try to do our end around on everybody around. and just get lewis in to for a gig a huge corporate in new york it and so simple that seems so simple uh, and it went all so bad and i'm certain jackie kenobi 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 was like I am literally in her office on some line to never work with this guy again. <laughs> and then, of course, I'm like, she's like, oh, I'm Jackie Kenobi. I'm like, on tour with Leslie. Oh, and I'm like, God, please, God, don't remember who I am. Please, God, don't remember who I am. She doesn't. She's cool. Oh, God. So. Her husband, she lives on a soybean farm in Nebraska. I know. It's crazy. That's where she, she oh fakes it. She fakes it like she's in L.A. In LA. But her husband, Kent, who's a great guy, I'm not, shout out to Kent, he's a soybean farmer in the middle of nowhere. Oh, they're, they're, not, they're like in Carney. Was, bro- the- was she ever in L.A.? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, but now she's yeah. like, yeah. screw this. I'm listen, yeah. Everything's virtual now. Yeah, you know, everything's you know. virtual now. She's and when everywhere you're talking she, to her on the phone, you can hear like the cows yes, and shit crickets. in the background. Yes, <laughs> crickets. Absolutely. It's just a phone call business. Book my it guy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. And she'll come to a couple of the events, you know. Yeah, she and, shows uh, up when she's supposed to. Yeah. yeah. Begrudgingly, she's like, God damn it. I, gotta I, get she, out. I, I know <laughs> how. I her, whenever I see her, I'm yeah. like, what's going on on the, what's going on on North 40? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the uh, the ride to the airport, if I remember the, the Nebraska Comedy oh. Festival, is brutal. Oh, so I don't know where horrible. she is. It's a no, horrible same, ride. Same ride? Same thing. Yes. Oh, it's that like poor woman. Hours. No, it's brutal. She's in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska. Oh, my God. She's a great person, though. Yeah. And her husband's cooler. It's always funny to see him. Once a year, she has to make him come to something. <laughs> show busy. And it's literally a soybean farmer. He's literally, you can just, like, you can, your- he stepped out of the overalls and put is on pants. Everybody, is everybody person. like, is your husband doing a character tonight? Yes, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, this guy's hilarious. What a great character. So the tour is going. <laughs> the yes. tour is going, yes, guys. Yes, 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 That's yes. so funny, Neil. All right, before we wrap up this wait, segment, I, uh, wait, we got to uh, ask him about the St. Patrick's Day. Oh, yeah, let's do that. But okay. Go right. ahead. You got a question? Uh, no, the other thing's way too long. Okay, good. Yeah. 
Tell us about the St. Pat St. Patrick's okay. coming up, and and Vic is going to regale us. I was, I was in a great Chicago, story. which okay. is you know they dye the river green. Yep. And uh, I was there working the club. Yeah. And it started. Is so it Zanies? It's a uh, no. I was doing. There was a funny bone there oh, okay. at the time. And so we're all midtown. Buddies from mine from college have all flown in. We're all in the expense account. It's spare no cost. Right. So it's nine thirty in the morning. We're downtown. They're dyed the river green. Everything's great. We run into these guys. We don't know them, and we don't know them for anybody. They've got a gallon jar of olives. Okay. The gallon, like you get at Costco. The <laughs> gallon, right. the gallon jar, and they're pouring a liter of vodka into the olive. They're dumping out the olive juice, and they're pouring in a liter of vodka. It's a giant martini into this, right? Basically, right. and so and they got they got the red Solo cups, and they're drinking. So this is nine thirty. Throughout the day, we saw a.m. a.m. 9.30 a.m. Throughout the day, we see them. And they're losing a person, and the olives are getting shorter. Right. So, so, so at noon, instead of 16 of them, there's like 11 of them. Right. Olives are down to half. The liquid is kind of dirty. They're pouring another bottle of vodka oh, into yeah, it. Yeah. By 3.30, we're down to six of them. And it's kind of muddy. They're just sticking their hands in it like monkeys. They're just, they're just literally scooping the olives out like monkeys eating these dirty ass vinegar whatever right, right? seven o'clock <laughs> yeah two dudes left <laughs> now we're all good we're all fine we've right. been pacing ourselves we're fine. i got a show to do that night so i'm actually so there's like still six or seven of us two dudes left there's just it's just like this murky ass rock looks like somebody dropped an ashtray <laughs> and they're just there's like two olives in it there's uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so at this point we go over and we're like good god buddy i'm vic henley it's nice to me i don't know who you are but you're my goddamn hero right he made it i've been watching you <laughs> 9 a.m. It's 9 30 this morning. This is the best St. Patrick's Day oh, ever. Man. <laughs> what happened to those poor guys? So I don't know. One left. And then I the judge probably just there back. every year doing it. I'm probably. sure I hope yeah, so. Yeah, you know. Getting hammered. Oh my god, that's funny. Um I get <laughs> I'll never forget it. That uh, same thing at the end of the day, this one girl yeah. sat on my leg and I remember like this girl, it's just some random bar girl. Because we're watching, it's down to the two of them. And, yeah. we're, and so we're, we've dragged these girls over here and we're like, we've been watching this since 9.30 this morning. Uh-huh. We're telling her and her friends basically what I just told you guys. She sits on my leg. I thought I had one of those hand warmers on my knee. It got so warm. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, so I look at my friend. I'm like, I'm not trying to be gross or anything. I'm like. Sit on his lap. <laughs> <laughs> it's too hot. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, this is... What's she doing? I don't know, but it was... Man, it was hot. It was, I don't know what, what was going on there with her that day, but she her temperature was up. Vic, you've done everything in this business. What is your dream gig at this point? Like, if I gave you... I just said, you can do whatever you want. You want a talk show? You want a, a sitcom? You want to be the sidekick? You, what do you want? What do you want to be? I'd go back and... You know, I'd go back and just do weekends at the Comedy Store in London, probably. Oh, really? Just do <laughs> stand-up. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's London, and it's amazing, and it's always sold out. There's 500 people there. The staff's amazing. You can do any jokes you want. Well, they treat you like gold, the opposite of how they do us here. 
And uh, I would, I really, I would just pick that. I really would it. pick that. I like it. Why is England the comedy? They just love comedy more, or is it just they revere it more? They're smart. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, you know, they like well, because it's like Monty Python. They yeah. like yeah. Monty Python is equally slapstick and esoteric. Yeah, you know, it can be brilliantly smart. Yeah, it is. And it's, and and Benny enough. Hill at the same time. Yeah. The foot comes down and squashes. I it. like it. Yeah, because yeah. uh, no, still... that's what we were thinking about this morning. It's going to be like bring out the dead. Bring yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> bring out that would be so bring much easier, right? That's right. That's right. With coronavirus, <laughs> bring out your dead. <laughs>